Welcome to Kilts and Culture with USA Kilts. We're here to talk about all things Highland dress, the cultures and the heritage that created it, and how to enjoy the kilt in the 21st century. From tartan and trues to haggis and history, we cover it all. So sit back, grab your beverage of choice, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Kilts and Culture. I'm Rocky. This is Eric. Yo. Today's episode, a special treat, doubly special treat. Mm-hmm. Um, we are trying an American bourbon versus a Scottish scotch. Sure. Whiskey. Um, yeah, scotch whiskey. All right. So our good, brand, good friend, Scott Sanders, uh, gifted us with a bottle of Chattanooga Whiskey 91. I keep wanting to sing, here comes the Chattanooga choo-choo. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, how do you get your kids to drink their whiskey? Here comes the Chattanooga choo-choo. Um, so, Chattanooga whiskey, 91. Whiskey, whiskey with an E, Yes. by the way. Yes. But. Well, that's anything other than scotch True. is E-Y. True. Scotch is W-H-I-S-K-Y. Correct. Um, and then Oban, which was a gift from our friend Matt. Um, Thanks, Matt. Yep. A little Bay of Caves. Um, Oban's actually really, really nice. It's over by uh, Fort William on the west coast of Scotland. Plus you've actually been there. I've been to okay. Oban. Yes, I have not been cool. to the distillery. Okay. I've just been to Oban. Um, uh, Kelly's family was from Fort William area. Okay. Um, it's a, like a... Because you're a steward. A coastal town. Yeah. It's a coastal town. Very, very nice. A lot of old stone buildings. It's Scotland, so they always have old stone buildings. But... Pretty much. Yes. All right. No further delays. So, mano a mano, head to head. Whiskey to whiskey. What do we start with? Which one um, do we start with? I think we pour out both into like we each have two, and then we'll then we'll decide what we're gonna do. All right. Sort of kind of go back and forth. Okay. Yes. So we we'll go. We got, we're gonna hook Mac up. Of course um, we are. Okay. All right. So pouring. So try and open this one. Um. All right. So Chattanooga whiskey. Oh, get the pop. Well, if I get there, I got to get the foil off first. All right. And while Eric is defoiling. Curses the, foiled again. Oh, it's going to be a long show. And we haven't even started drinking yet. All right. There we go. Four. Was that, was that good? That was, that was beautiful. Magnifique. Huh. To ingest, imbibing our spirits, the off-sought-after, highly-coveted USA Kilts Glencairn glasses. Uno. I don't know why I'm talking Spanish twice. Twice. Um, one for Mac. So we will start. Pour scotch all over my or whiskey all over my kilt. We'll pour a little bit less this time since we're drinking two of them. Yeah. And I don't know how if I'm gonna like it or not. <laughs> Scott, I will give you my honest opinion. I don't know if you're gonna like it, but you will get my honest opinion. All right. So this is. Well, it's just that it's an opinion. Yeah. You know. That's true. You know what they say. Opinions are like. Max peeking through the curtain at oh, us. Well, hold on, Mac. Hold on. <laughs> hold on. Because I have to pour the other one. See, so I'll make two trips. Wait. Don't get confused. Right. I'm not. I'm putting them on this oh, these side. Are, oh, I see what you're doing. Okay. See? And. It's been a long week. The USA Kilts logo glasses. Is the Scotch ones. Choo-choo. Okay. Chattanooga choo-choo. Okay. I really hope it's not chewy. One. And then the other ones are Oban. Those? Pronounced Oban. Uh, basically, not, not it's. Not Oban, not Oban. Yeah, not Oban. It's O-B-A-N is actually the spelling of it, but it's pronounced O-H. Like, emphasis on the O, bin. Like a bin of trash Oban. kind of thing. Oban. Oban. Yes. All right. 
Hmm. Interesting. All right, Mac, if you would. Here, Mac, here, Mac. Come collect. Who wants a whiskey? All right. There you go. USA right. Kilt's glass is the choo-choo. All right. All right, we'll try the Chattanooga choo-choo first. Now you're going to water yours? I'm going to water it. <clears throat> you're watering straight off the bat? You want to do both? I don't I, care either way. I don't, I don't believe in straight whiskey in terms of letting the esters loose, but I'll do it. Okay. For the good of the regiment. All right, let's swirl around a little bit, open them up or something. I don't know. What do you say if you're from ta Tennessee? Cheers. Yeah, you're not like, gonna say. Wouldn't say slancha. No. Nah, well, you you could if you're could. If you like saying slancha. Um, trying to think of what my family would say. Here's mud in your eye. Yeah. Is that the thing? So, I don't uh, know. Yeah. Whatever. Here's, cheers. Here's, here's to muddy eye sockets. <laughs> Mac. Hmm. Interesting. It's woody. Very woody. The uh, little Bernie has a little bit of a kick, like a couple seconds later, as it's hitting like the back of my mouth and the sides of my mouth. I'm gonna in the get back. distracted. Um, for those of you who don't know, new member of our team, who you will probably see on camera on camera two uh, at some point, right? Yes. Uh, we got Coraline here. She's uh, our new videographer. She doesn't drink. So she just she's just making this this face like <clears throat> as soon as Mac lifted his whiskey glass. <coughs> All right. Hmm. It says expect notes of dried apricot. Apricot. I don't know why I had to go that way with apricot. <laughs> That's from Tennessee. Apricot. <laughs> apricot. Some sweet tea and some honey roast honey honey eyed toast. I don't know. Honey, honey eyed honey toast. toast. Honeyed toast. Oh, honeyed. I decided to exaggerate that a little bit, but yes. Okay. Rich malt forward approach to bourbon made from the finest malted grains. Very forward. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Each step of the pro blah, 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 blah. It's downright impolite. <laughs> it touched me inappropriately. The... I don't know. I don't really drink bourbon, so I don't know what I'm... It's... I get the honey, like very much honey. I think that's like get, the burny. I get the honey. I definitely got that, that that very oaky uh, nose, and at the very start, really hit me. Is like it really, I felt like I was smelling a barrel. <coughs> like Max, a does this barrel. have oak? Is it in oak barrels, sherry barrels? Is. What is it? Yeah. Toasted in charred oak barrels. Yeah, that, that yeah. I think that comes through. It I lost it pretty quickly afterwards, but in, on at the beginning. Yeah, like no, I I agree with that. Oak. Um, the one thing I've noticed is that a specific type of Laphroaig. Um, uh, the the double double cat or double something double, I don't know. Um, gives me heartburn. So and this I can feel kind of the same way. I want to say like in the oak casks is usually the thing that kind of like burns me a little something bit. Something about the tannins maybe. I don't know. Something. Hmm. Okay. I'd be I'd be a curious science experiment for myself. <laughs> I'm gonna donate my body to whiskey science. There you go. <laughs> You have a giant bottle of Tums. <coughs> yeah, it says it's aged in two different charred and toasted white oak barrels. The combination delivers a balance. It's very sweet, like back at, but weirdly like back of the mouth. Sweet. That's that's what I'm getting with the honey. It's that's where the yeah. I don't I'm not getting the apricot or the sweet yeah, I'm tea not getting, at all. Yeah, I'm I'm not even getting much of the honey. Uh, but I've got a bit of a cold right the now. The sweet tea, okay. At the very end, the very okay. When it's after it sits for. 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. getting a little bit of the tea, but I wouldn't call it and more of a lemon tea, not like a not like a sweet tea, like uh, what I'm thinking of when I've been down like Georgia or mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, like a light like tea kind of flavor. Yeah, yeah. it's like a Lipton <clears throat> tea, like a Lipton. Yes, Lipton. that's true. Like if you're if you're like from California or something, you've never had actual sweet tea. You can get that reference. Mm. You know, that's a very regional specific kind of flavor to mention. Yeah, but we're not from Georgia, and we get sweet tea. Mm. It's kind of a it's a thing with the South. If you're not from Philly, you still understand what a, the basic idea of what a Philly cheesesteak is. But that doesn't mean you've had a good, proper well, cheesesteak. I don't disagree. Well, it's so. like sweet tea. I mean, Turkey Hill sweet tea is a lot different than what you're going to get yeah. in North Carolina or anywhere. Yeah. Now, I would be remiss in my husbandly not... duties if I did not mention that Delisandro's is the best Philadelphia cheesesteak. <laughs> I don't necessarily believe that, but my wife does, so I'll, I'll believe mm, that. Mm, mm. I wonder if we could make a cheesesteak with haggis. Haggis on a toasted bun with, with cheese with, and stuff. With melted okay. American okay. cheese. What if we did like a haggis Sounds topping? Sounds disgusting and awesome. A haggis topping on salad. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> Sounds even more disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, I'm not. <laughs> Max thinking super, over there now. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not opposed to this idea. Okay. Well, we we, we do want to do some food episodes, but uh, like getting getting back episode. to the getting back to the Chattanooga. I can't say I'm really. Impressed, but I also am not a bourbon drinker either, so right. I don't have. A I'm going to leave a little bit in my glass still, and then I'm going to switch over to the oven and see uh, see if I can. Sense we need some oyster distance. crackers or something to cleanse our palates. All right, I'm going to rinse with water. That's a good idea. Mm. That's a fine water. There we go. Mm. Only the best. Good water. Are you supposed to gargle? I don't know. All right, now. Number two, Oban. What do we know? What else do we know about Oban? Where, what do they? Where are they trying to tell us it's going to taste like? Flavors of uh, orange peel, smoke, sea salt, and mm. honey. I get. I smell the honey and the uh, little bit of the orange peel. Mm-hmm. I do get that. This is the scent would be fresh oranges, lemons, and pears, with a hint of sea, sea with a hint of salt and peat. Salty peat. I knew him. I get a little like bit that. of the, I get a little bit of the peatiness in this. There's not a whole lot of smoke, or almost any, but it's a little bit of the but peat it's not, earthiness. It's not a bad balance. Yeah, for a non Isla Scotch, I'm not, I'm not disliking it. High praise. Yeah, it's not horrible. <laughs> um, <laughs> I kind of dig it. Yeah, it says the finish is long, smooth, and an oaky sweet. With a grain of salt. Because they're really hammering that salt. I kind of get it. I kind of get what they're saying, actually. I'll give them. I'll give you the salt. I don't know about long finish. I'm used to, like, yeah, it's not for really your Lagavulin, like... where it literally will sit in your mouth and then your nostrils for, yeah. for a month. <laughs> <laughs> but it'll sit there for, like, five minutes. Yeah. Um, this isn't... Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it very long. No. But, but I do like the balance. It's not... Yeah. It's not bad at all. Mac, how do you feel about it? Uh, it's just, it seems very mild compared to most of what we've 
I've had before. It is that. Now, it's, in it's, in fairness, you're trying, you know, hard, oh. like, punch you in the mouth with a, you know, charred brick of smoldering embers. <laughs> um, but <laughs> Isla Scotches. Um, yeah. So it's not, nothing, nothing that we try for the most part is going to be that, you know, bam. But, uh. Yeah, but I'd still say this is like the smoothest one we've had. Yeah, smooth is good for it. Smooth is good for it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. The the now I, again I don't know anything about bourbon, but I'm developing a uh, an opinion at least. Um, the this is definitely much smoother than the Chattanooga Choo Choo here. Um, I'd yeah. say this one like a summer day. I was gonna say that was a, I was thinking like we talked about last time we talked about. Whichever one we were drinking is more felt more wintry, um, and or, or autumn autumnal, and this one is definitely yeah, it's light summer. Yeah, yeah it has a light nose to it. There's yeah. not a ton of yeah. There's not a lot coming at me. Like I'm burying my nose in the glass. That'll make a good still for the. <laughs> Use that for the next announcement. <laughs> like licking down the bottom of the glass like a dog. Pretty good. All right, switching back. Good. A little soapy. Soapy? Yeah, I was sipping. Right. Hmm. Soapy. Yeah. I did clean the glasses, but... Okay. <clears throat> I rinsed off the drywall dust. It's fine. Um, it's little, Boy, has there little, been drywall dust. Uh, it's a little protein. It's fine. <clears throat> so back at... Well, now I get the... The nose yeah. has opened up on the Chattanooga. It smells very... almost like flowers. Or potpourri no, it's the, or something. It's the barrel. It's the barrel. <clears throat> Mac, switch smells, back. It smells on like the, an old wood. Back to the choo-choo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like, like, a, like, a, like a lumberjack floor. Mm -hmm. or yeah. lumber mm -hmm. Sawmill yeah. floor. Imagine you're entering, entering into a 18th century structure. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Get yeah. That. yeah, definitely get that. That smells like hmm. mold and sawdust and feet. Good times. Delicious. I don't understand why they don't print that on the bottle. Salt well, they don't want to get okay. pretentious. <laughs> All right, now that it's sat for a little bit. It's a little better now. Um, yeah, it's a little bit better. It's still burny going down on me. A little more vanilla -y Yeah. now. Any change in your description there, Mac? No, I'm still about the same on it. Yeah. It's not, it's, for me, I'm trying to differentiate between, is it, it's not burning like, you know, kind of thing. It's more the oak, it's burning me going down. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think the nose is the best part, frankly. I'll the, give you that. The flavor, the flavor isn't really doing a lot for me, but the nose is pretty amazing, yeah. actually. Yeah. I'll give you that. There's a, uh, I read somewhere that Johnny Depp didn't drink much or doesn't drink much or something like that. Because he's an alcoholic, probably. I don't know. I don't know you, Johnny Depp. Sorry. Um, and the but he likes log the smell of lagavulin. So he would just like pour it and just smell lagavulin. And I'm like, okay, okay, all right. It does smell delicious. Mm -hmm. No, but this is this is a good nose. Yeah, I will agree with you on that. So you need a lagavulin like, ooh, lagavulin spray? air freshener. No, lagavulin. I promise, officer. <laughs> I promise, officer. It's not I'm you drinking. No. Makes me think of uh, tobaccos. Makes me think of some uh, 
some yeah. uh, flavored tobacco. Yeah, it, it definitely feels southern. Yeah, I'm, you don't you don't pipe smoke, do you? No, 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 no. But it smells like I used to pipe smoke a little bit, but it smells like tobacco. Um, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. No, yeah. I could I could sit there with a pipe or a cigar with this. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I give it that. Which is another test we should do at some point because I was just reading about um, how to deal with the um, aftertaste from pipe smoking and and the and if you're getting burned, which is other factors, but uh, some of the ashy aftertaste and stuff you might get even like a day after you po- smoked a pipe. Um, and of course, the the pat advice is that uh, uh, scotch is the best thing to do. Just make sure you have some scotch with your pipe, and it takes away that takes away that residue of the aftertaste if you don't happen to like it based mm. on what you're smoking. Okay. So yeah, so we should do a we should do a pipe episode. I'm down with mm-hmm. that. Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. I don't know about pipe smoking in the studio with all uh, the. Ah, come on. Yeah. I'll never know. Wait, who's they? I hope they. You own the building. It's okay. <laughs> as long as the all alarm right. doesn't go off while we're doing it, you know. <laughs> Sprinkler whoop, heads. Whoop, whoop, yeah. whoop. <laughs> Sorry, guys, it's raining now. All right, finishing up with the oven. All right. Hmm. It's good. It is good. I do like the oven. All right. Mr. Mac. Reviews. Reviews. One to ten. I'll leave these up for right now. One to ten. Should we start with the the choo-choo? Let's do the Chattanooga choo-choo. Chattanooga whiskey, 91. I don't know. I'm I'm digging the the choo-choo the more I'm having it. Um, Actually, I finished that glass pretty quick. Um, You want another one? You can have another one. um, I'm going to give that like an 8.3. No kidding. Yeah, I like that one. Is that higher than your logable score? I don't remember that. I don't I either. Go, I have to go back to the archives. It's up there. Yeah. It's close. Damn. I think his logable was like a seven three. or eight. Yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a high number. High mm-hmm. score. High marks from Mac. But it's bourbon, so are we comparing apples and oranges in a way? Yeah. We can compare anything we want. It's our show. That's true. <laughs> um, <clears throat> well, Eric. Are we comparing uh, apricots and, uh, and, and lemon or whatever the other one was now? I get what Mac's saying. Um... I don't, the flavor isn't doing it. Like I said, it isn't doing a lot for me. Um, it's just, I get some of the nose at first and now it's getting a little flat. Um, I don't think the finish is nearly as long as they were trying to say. Um, I really, really, really like the nose. So I'll give it like a 6.3. Okay. Yeah. 6.3. Yeah. Another strong score. Yeah. Because hmm. the nose is pretty awesome. <clears throat> now it's straight bourbon whiskey. Now for me, it's, it's an odd one because I don't, I've, I've never really, outside of like Jack Daniels, which I dislike, I've not really drank, well, I just drank it with like Coke or whatever. Yeah. Um, but outside of Jack, I haven't really had bourbons per se. So this is one of my my uh, entering experiences or mm-hmm. first experiences with bourbon. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not bad. Uh, I would probably, if it was at a party and people were like, oh, here, try this, I would absolutely drink it. Um that being said, I don't like it as much as I like scotch. This is a, a even yeah. even a, a non peaty scotch. This is a pretty you know a, a right down the middle split. You know, I agree. Tasting. Um, yes, yeah, so I, I, I kind of. I'm not trying to make my score for this compared to the Oban. I'm just kind of on its own. Would I drink it again? Okay. Would fair. I have it again? Fair. Fair. I point. think is where my score is yeah. coming from. Yeah. Um, I'd say. And this is going to sound harsh, but it's not meant to be harsh. Well, I'll, I'll qualify it when I'm done. I'd say like 4.1, um, which to me actually isn't that 
isn't as bad as it sounds. Because, you know, if you think five is bog standard, nah, it's okay. Um, and I don't really like bourbons as much, or I'm guessing, um, as I would like scotch. So it's a little bit below normal. Um, if it was just taste, I'd probably say mid threes, but the nose brought it up for me a little bit. I do like the nose on it. It did smell yeah. good. Um, weirdly different than it tasted almost. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, done. Next, Oban, Mr. Mac. What was your score for Oban? This one, I want, I want more flavor in it. I want more, a little bit more oomph to it. It's um, almost too balanced. Yeah, so I'm gonna. I'm you gonna, want a, an extreme profile one way or the other? Yeah, yeah. This something is has to jump like out. Flat for me. Like I, I would give this. I guess in a four point two. Say, saying it'd be saying it'd be good to drink during the summer is probably the kiss of death, right there. Is that you know, Corona? It's the summer beer. It, it just it, it has just, no flavor. Yeah, you know? it just it kind of. I like Corona with lime in the summer. I though. know, but but that's a. Maybe we should put lime in this. I don't know. Hmm, who knew? I'd sit on the beach <laughs> with my scotch. As you do. <clears throat> so, 4.2, you said? Yeah, 4.2. All right, Eric? Compared to the other scotches we've had. Don't you... You you did open, or, uh, uh, Chattanooga Choo Choo by itself, so mm-hmm. you can't compare it to anything else. Just in and of I itself. I totally can, because Chattanooga Choo Choo is a bourbon, and I meant as a bourbon, would I drink it again? As okay. a scotch, would I drink this again compared to... Uh, like Lagavulin or Glenlivet or something. Um, Five point eight. Fair, fair. I'm going six point one. Okay. I was right around the same as you there. I thought you were going to go lower, but yeah, it's not bad. It's it's better than average. Um, I finished it. You know, finished it twice, but it's not. Okay. There you have it. You know what? We talked about scotches. It would be if you're trying to introduce somebody to scotch first, it would never happen before. I think this would be a very good candidate for that. Yes. I agree with that. A good good entry level if nobody's ever had scotch before and they're scared of it. Like, oh, I heard it tastes like your mouth is on fire. It tastes like medicine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Then this would be a good good one to start with. I'd agree with that. I have no idea what it costs. So I don't know if it's a good one from that standpoint, but from a. From a strategic standpoint. Strategic, yes. I agree with that. Mm -hmm. All right. I'm going to save mine for later. Are you done with this? I am, sir. Thank you. Yes. All right. And thank you, Scott. That was very interesting. Mm. Absolutely. If anyone wants to give us scotch, feel free. <laughs> or even bourbon. Yes. Anything. We'll we'll try anything. Food, even. Doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah, we should do some. We should do food again sometime soon. Yeah. Especially mm-hmm. with the holidays coming up. I agree. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, breath mint, oh. coffee, disgusting mouth taste. Good to go. All right, Mr. Mac. Uh, there's also questions about what tartans you guys are wearing. Ooh, what tartans are we okay. wearing? Okay. Um, I'm wearing the, I really need to buy more kilts <laughs> tartan. This is my uh, fake tweed. This is actually a tweed pattern, but it is actually a tartan knit uh, fabric, not a tweed, not true tweed. Right? Yeah. yeah. So this is a, I inherited it from my boss because that's a great way to get kilts. <laughs> and uh, it's just, it's very good for like uh, earthy, uh, autumnal kind of a look. It is not clan or anything associated. Uh, I guess you could call it kind of a low country kind of a look in yeah. that sense. You know, kind of like uh, Shepherd's Check. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, kind of, it's very low country. Yeah. I like I like tweed kilts and, you know, pattern kilts like that and estate tweeds and things like that. Yeah. But every time I make one for myself, I hate it on me. 
I like them. I like the theory of them. I just, I, I don't know why I can't get into it. Oh. I don't know. Um, I am wearing the McEwen tartan today. Um, this is uh, one of my family tartans. Uh, my grandmother was a McEwen, which is a septum McEwen or variation of the spelling oh. kind of thing. So nothing exciting, just a standard, you know, clan tartan similar Looks to like Black, Black Watch. Watch. Yep, it's based on Black Watch with, mm -hmm. you know, ketchup and mustard ketchup stripes Ketchup mustard Black Watch. Yep. Yep. Exactly. So how old is that one then? Do you know what the province yes, is? Yes, it? it is old. 1842? I have no idea. Earlier? It's this one I dates. Look it up now. This one dates to about 2007 <laughs> when I made it. Um, I don't know how old the tartan itself okay. is. No. no, I'm curious now because we generally find that a lot of older tartans are more likely to have black watch or at least the color scheme, colors there in black watch as a base. So yeah, a, a lot of them, them are more. based on yeah, black. A watch. lot of them are. Yeah, you know, the government set basically. Yep. So you have, but you have that coat of arms of that. That's one of your tattoos, right? Yep. Yeah, that's cool. Indeed. Yeah, I just did a whole thing on Instagram about tattoos and Celtic tattoos. So nice. I should have taken pictures of your legs. Doesn't never thinks about me. I Doesn't know. care. Yeah. Or I don't think about your legs enough. I don't it's know. It's okay. So anyway, thanks for back. asking. Now, so we get it out of the way that we were supposed to. Um, yes, we do this every every month. We're every good. Month, yeah. We always remember to tell mm -hmm. you what tartans mm -hmm. we're wearing. Yep. Mr. Mac. Alrighty. Well, uh, Cameron is also happy that uh, Eric is wearing pants today, or wearing kilt today, not pants. Cheers. Um, yep. It's kind of <clears throat> weird seeing me in the jeans. If you saw pictures of the photo shoots we did, those jeans are not my style at all. They are the company jeans. We yeah. actually had to go <laughs> on Amazon and buy jeans yep. for Eric to wear with for grandfather shoots. shirts. Yep. yep. Figured yeah. every company should own at least one pair of pants. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Weirder sentence has never been said. <laughs> All right. Mac. Alrighty, so we have our friend uh, Dan Brumbach. Uh What's up, Dan? Hey. says our pipe band is considering a uniform change. Do you have any ideas on something different than the standard black and red tunics? Argyle, jackets and vests, military sweaters. Something to stand out. Um what uh what the the current trend is, so to speak, in Scotland right now are basically um tweeds and yeah. a like, colored barathias and stuff like that. Um, so if you want your current meaning, well, even a few years ago, like three, four years ago, it kind of started. Um, basically, as the grade ones in, in Scotland go, then so goes the rest of the pipe band community. So they started kind of getting tired of the black uh, uh, argyle jacket and vest or the piper cut jacket and vest. So they kind of started going more towards some tweeds um, whether it's a navy blue tweed, whether it's charcoal or things like that. So if you want a, what I would suggest for pipe bands, because you're not just buying one or two jackets, you're buying, you know, 15 or 20. So you want to make sure you get a few years out of it and you're not on yeah. the tail end of a trend. You're on the, the the front half of the wave of the trend so that you can get more years out of it before you have to refresh the kit. Mm -hmm. um, what I'd say is take a look at um, like a charcoal or a just a standard you know, middle middle kind of gray tweed material or bird's eye kind of material um, or navy, depending on what tartan you're in, you have. Mm -hmm. Now, I know if you're talking about Hamilton Pipe Band, um, which is, I believe, the one that Dan's in. Um, hi, Sally Kent, if you're watching, too. The um, They all have different tartans. Each of the different yeah, members have different tartans. Yeah, yeah. so <clears throat> if they're trying to standardize on a top half, then I would definitely say do a charcoal or a medium gray and then 
balance your hose out with the same color. So either charcoal hose or a mid-gray hose. That way it's a good top and bottom balance. Yeah. And then the kilts for the band kind of stand out on their own in the middle. Yeah, so you have the fact that they have different tartans means that basically that's kind of a novelty, but you have a standard frame around which the, the color parade of all the different tartans kind of exists. Yep. So yeah. Um, <clears throat> I would say, and this is speaking as an outsider, I've dealt with helping out bagpiper folks and pipe bands as a sales guy, but I'm not a piper. But I would say that in, in America, um, I would lean towards using a Barathea cloth instead of a tweed. I think you're going to find yourself warm in a lot of instances if you go with a true tweed vest. Um, notice the fact that it's fall and I'm only just now starting to break out my tweed vests, you know, even for here indoors. So I would think a Barathea might be more flexible uh, for the environment and for the uh, seasons as opposed to tweed wool. Yes, or... That's my thinking. Or... And a lighter color also if you're worried about the being hot in the summer sun. You know. Yeah, and if the band's on a budget, then yeah. just do a tweed vest. You don't have to do a jacket and vest combo. Yeah. You can just do the vest. Um, if you do... Just do the vest, or if you're uh, like Kilnave, another one of the pipe bands we deal with, what they did is they have uh, tweed jacket and vest together. However, the tweed vest also has a tweed right. back. The disadvantage is it's hotter when you're wearing both together. The advantage is it looks a lot better when you're just wearing the tweed. Yeah, that's true. A, fa a fabric back as opposed <clears> to a satin <throat> back yes. on the vest. Yeah. And the, the satin back to the vest will... Depending on the person, the individual's body acidity, so to speak, if you're playing in the summer, you're sweating in the vest. Mm -hmm. And if, like, there's certain guys that their vests have literally changed color, the satin back, Ooh. from yeah. sweating in it and having, like, acidy kind of sweat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So having a tweed back and tweed front to the vest, you're not going to have the discoloration that you would with the satin, you know, kind of... So again, there's your longevity... Of yes. the uniform. Yep. Can't speak today. Stretch my mouth out. There we go. Slow mo that Coraline <laughs> in post. Absolutely. I want to okay. see his his crazy mouth mm. motions. <clears throat> or do it fast forward on a loop. One or two. Both, probably. Exactly. Yes. No, but that's about it. Yeah. It's for for longevity. Make sure you're getting tweed back and front, and for cost effectiveness, either just a tweed vest. Or there's a bunch of different things you can do, uh, but for for a pipe band with multiple different tartans for the kilts, make sure you're balancing your top and your kilt hose so that it, it, it the kilts kind of stand out in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Makes sense. Mr. Mack, next one. Alrighty. Well, there's a new <coughs> campaign being pitched on the, on the comments right now. Uh -oh. New campaign. It's uh, buy Eric a sheriff mirror. Hashtag Sheriff Eric. I am I am touched. Sheriff Eric. I am, I am grateful. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. Are we still going purple, Sheriff Muir? I could probably pull it off, I think. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I still go to, like, the Prince Purple Rain type video. Um, like, Eric with, like, the big cymbal guitar thing. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. You're going to change awesome. your, you're going to change your name to a cymbal The, the artist formerly known as Eric. Yes. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> the yep. marketing guy. The marketing guy formerly Eric. known as Eric. Yep, that'll mean me. Yeah, wow, I'm going to have to... This might actually happen. I'm going to have to think about a new tartan to go with this uh, this Sheriff Muir also. And I'm going to have to get a Jabot and... Uh... Jacobite tartan. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yes. Oh. Yes. Oh, I think yes. Max head just exploded. <laughs> Jacobite tartan. Or, 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 
like the test pattern shepherd's check. Ooh. Shepherd's shepherd's check. <laughs> that would a purple sheriff Muir. Yes. Oh my gosh. Velvet purple sheriff Muir. With gold with gold buttons. Yes, of course gold buttons. Bounce get bow. Yeah. And and special straps made for the kilt. Mm -hmm. White leather. Okay. Okay. I was thinking about changing up the color of the jabot. Like a like a lime green jabot or something or yellow. Good God! Now it's now now we're turning into Austin Powers here, guys. Uh, I don't know, and I cannot pull off the shag haircut. So, be careful what you wish for here. But, yeah, uh, we can get you a wig. We can. Okay. All right. <laughs> do that. Yeah. I, I love Sheriff Mirrors. Um, for those who are not in on the conspiracy, a Sheriff Mirror is a, a somewhat more unusual uh, jacket and vest combination, which is based on early 19th century fashions and uh, military doublets, and uh, it's pretty cool. It's starting to come back as. Uh, as wedding wear in in Scotland, and uh, they're pretty neat. It doesn't have to be purple velvet, but you know, if you want to go top shelf, velvet. it really should be purple velvet. It should not know? be purple velvet. Yeah, yeah, no, but, yeah. Ugh. Oh, and piping. You get 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 uh, get gold uh, piping. Yeah, gold piping on the on the sleeves. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Sorry, I just threw up my mouth. <laughs> That's just the coffee. That's coffee in the breakfast. Yeah, it's the coffee. That's all. I appreciate your generosity and support, guys. Yeah. I I really do. I really do. Keep those letters coming in. Mac, please take us out of this this fresh hell we've <laughs> All right, so we have uh, we have Daniel asking, when designing a tartan, what is the best slash ideal set size and current pattern repeat size That's a to ensure that your pattern is not too large, and that any one and a half pattern repeat is on the front of the kilt? He's serious. That is okay. that is a very good question. That is a very good question. I agree. I totally leave it up to you. You want to answer that one? <laughs> Just trust your gut. You got to feel the tartan. <laughs> you got to feel You got to feel the soul of the tartan in your feet. Um, no, seriously, answer the question. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now. <laughs> now, monkey boy, dance for me. Um, the set size, it depends on what kind of tartan you're doing. Um, for my, and what you want the finished kilt to look like. So, I would start with this. If you want your kilt pleated to the stripe, and you want a particular stripe, like the kilt that I'm wearing here, has roughly a 12 inch set. So if I were to try to pleat this to the yellow stripe, the pleats would be really, really wide because it only occurs once it's an ABAC tartan, meaning it, there's two main elements to it. So for this, if I wanted to pleat it to the yellow stripe, the ideal would be about an eight inch set, eight and a half, nine at the outside most. That way you can keep your pleats under an inch wide. Um, but if you're going to pleat it to the set, it doesn't matter to some degree because you can still pleat it to the half set or kind of make up the pattern within the pleats so that it looks like the pattern. But when you open the pleats and look underneath, it's not actually the full pattern. For this one, my kilt that I'm wearing, actually, I pleated to the set. And it's, I actually, well, I should say I have it pleated to the half set. So I'm using, you know, where this yellow stripe is on the back of my kilt, where it's folded over to the next section, it's actually covering up the red stripe. So that way, and then I advance on the on the uh, pattern that way. If you're pleating it to, yeah, so if you're pleating it to the set, I would say it doesn't matter to some degree because you're going to kind of make it up within the set anyway. Most tartans are about a seven to eight inch set okay. size. Mac, would you kind of... 
agree with that. Oh yeah, that, that you're right in the ballpark there. Yeah, that's I, I've I've heard you mention the eight inch thing before as a kind of a magic number. So I yeah that 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 was was what was ringing true for me. Um, I think the question also is is he de designed the tartan for the sake of designing the tartan for its own beauty as an abstract exercise, or is he planning on outfitting just himself, or is he trying to design it for a group? In which case, you may in the future, you know, 20 years from now, who knows, um, have somebody who wants to play it to the stripe instead of to the set, or vice versa, because, you know, it's their personal preference. In which case, I'd, I want to err on the side of caution, not assume um, that any person is going to plead it any particular way. Well, so go, I, go with best practices, you know what I mean? And what I'd say with that as well is if you're going to plead it to the stripe, one of the, uh, my personal hates... Like not even pet peeves, hmm. hates, is pleading a kilt to the the block. Well, there's a couple hates I'm oh, yeah. gonna throw out there. Pleading a kilt to the block, meaning like a solid section of navy blue or whatever, so that way you end up on the back with if it's you know solid chunk of navy blue, navy blue, navy blue, navy blue. Horizontally, you end up with these wide bands across the back. For whatever reason, there are some people sort of in the last five ten years who've started doing it that way, and they like it, and they like mm -hmm. the look mm -hmm. of the, the lawn chair effect, as I dubbed it. Yeah. Um, it's not my preference. The other thing I would kind of point out that I don't like is when you're pleating to a stripe, the stripe should be centered on the pleat. You don't, or if they're changing, if you're pleating it, and you're pleating it to the set, and there's a section where you're taking, like, a blue or a, a black to green changeover, where there's, like, a change in color... Put that changeover ideally down the center of the pleat so that it's split evenly. It's not like right on the side. The reason is when you're actually sewing the pleat, it's a little bit of an A line or an A shape to it, a little bit of angle. So you end up taking away some, like at the top, there may not be much color there. Or if you pleat to the stripe on the edge of a pleat, the color won't be there at the top. But then it kind of becomes a spear appear. and appears, yeah, yeah. and then it's there at the bottom of the pleat. So it mm -hmm. looks weird yeah. on the back. So those are two pet peeves. I've kind of gone off track. But about eight inches, seven to eight inches is good for an eight-yard kilt for pleating. What he didn't say is, is he going to pleat it, or is it a five-yard kilt? Now, if it's Why a five-yarder... Who would get a five-yard kilt in a custom woven tartan? Somebody who wants less fabric. Okay. Somebody who wants a lighter right. kilt. Um or wants to get a few, like, you know, a bunch of people getting it, but they all want yeah. to chip in. They don't have a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. Um, in that instance, about five and a half to six is the magic number to keep your pleats at about an inch. Mac, any input on that, or are you still in agreement? No, I'm still in agreement. I, okay. We've actually just had this discussion in the production room in the last uh, couple of days, especially with our two new kilt makers, um, Emily and Morgan. Um, we were going over and we were explaining that type of scenario right. and why we do certain things a particular way so we don't have those things. Yep. Mm. But yeah. Now, one thing I'm going to point out, random weirdness about the kilt I'm wearing as well. When you pleat it to the half set, you have to, you know, you're, you're, you may be sacrificing certain elements or in the case of the pleat that I'm wearing, because I had either an even or odd number of pleats, I forget which it was, and I should have had the opposite. I ended up with all yellow stripes across the back. There were no red stripes in the actual pleated section of my kilt. So what I ended up doing was basically cutting out right at the center back. I cut out a section and then 
put in another piece of fabric, so I cheated it. I actually have two or three splices in my kilt just to get around it so that I actually huh. have a red stripe in the middle. Hmm. So I did keep it balanced front and back. Interesting. I mean, your other option was a Sharpie. Yes, my other option. <laughs> I was, when it happened. Paint markers. Oh, but it's because I, I didn't used to like mark out the actual each of each pleat before I made it. And I remember getting to that section and like cursing and screaming. And I'm like, damn it. So I was like, I was so angry. I'm like, I'm just going to Sharpie this thing and make it, make it red. So I'm like, what color mixed with yellow would make it red? And I'm like, wait, no, I can do this. And then I just cut out the fabric, flipped it, done. Now, did we answer all of his question? D- Daniel did respond back. He is doing an eight yarder. Uh, okay. Okay. That's good. what he's looking at. Okay. So, yeah, if you're doing it to the stripe or you want it to be done to the stripe, that's the other point I wanted to make. If you want it to be done to the stripe, my preference is always leave a good section, good meaning, you know, at least half inch on the left and on the right side of the stripe. That way, you don't have any spears on the back of the kilt going up. You don't lose any uh, any elements mm. as you're going down. Whatever side the, size the stripe is, make the field that the stripe is on a minimum 1.2 inches, really, so that you have no way of accidentally grabbing a little bit of color on one side or the other. Okay. I hope that helps. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Too nerdy of a question. No, I think it's awesome. I think uh, I, 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 there should be more and more and more tartan in the world, basically. I love it anytime anybody really is serious about designing a tartan and then getting a group of people to wear it. You just got to keep it going. You got to keep it going, 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 going into the future. Yep. So, yeah. Cool. That which stagnates dies. Exactly. So, good luck. Mr. Mack. We do have another question about uh, tartan design. Uh, this okay. is from Lewis. Um, he's been using the designer on the website. Um, Hope it's helpful. He seeks, how would I know what part of the design would show on the apron as in how many times the pattern would show on the apron? So how many times would it repeat? <clears throat> you don't. <laughs> That's mm. a simple answer. Mm. Um, it depends on the size of your body as well as the size of the repeat as well as which stripe or pivot, as it were, is centered on the apron or in case it's asymmetrical, which stripe is on the center of the apron. So, basically, the front apron of a kilt should be half of your waist size. If your waist is 40, the front apron of the kilt should be about 20. So, if your set size is, just for easy math, well, no, let's not make it easy math. If your set size is 8, and you have a 20-inch front apron, you're going to have one of the stripes right in the middle, and then 8 inches that way, and 8 inches that way, you're going to have another another stripe. So, you're going to have 1, 2, 3 across and eight plus eight is 16 so 16 falls within the 20 inches you'll have three stripes on the front apron if you have a smaller set size you'll have more repeats if you have a bigger set size you may have less okay or you will have less so don't worry too much about it because you yeah. don't know it's kind, that's kind of the kilt maker's job. I was about to say, that's, um, that gets into the purview of whoever is actually sewing the kilt. Yeah, yeah. but at the same time, they, they're going to be the one wearing it. And so if the customer True. has a True. very, they very vision. specific vision for yeah. what they want, or there there's a, a lot of old photos where it's, my preference is always a stripe center apron. That's your gig line. It's straight down the center. Mm-hmm. Um, it's easier for the person to line up their belt buckle, line up their spore, and line up the buttons on the shirt straight down in line with that main stripe on the front apron. Now, there's there are there's a precedent for the opposite. If you think of like Royal Stewart, yeah. where it's the one pivot is a white stripe, the other pivot, pivot, by the way, is the place where a tartan it becomes a mirror image of itself. So if you put a mirror on the pivot, it looks the same right and left. So in Royal Stewart, you have a white pivot, 
and then you have a red field as the other pivot. So there would be some people who would want the red field dead center. That way you have like stripes going down effectively the front of your thighs mm -hmm. versus the center of the kilt. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because you get the you get a railroad track effect sometimes going down the, the center of the of the apron as opposed to a single gig line. Yes. The yeah. reason why that is to some degree preferable to some people is because your sporin is going to cover up a good amount of the center yeah, front agree. of the kilt. I agree. So like for this kilt, you actually notice that you know it's it's a red and a yellow stripe that I have on here. The red stripes, while they're only probably five inches apart from the yellow, they will show up on the right and left side of my sporin where the yellow stripe is 80% of it's covered by the sporin. Mm -hmm. Very good. Hope that helps. Yeah. Mr. Mack, next one. So speaking of des tartan designs, we have uh, <clears throat> our uh, good friend Mike Power uh, making a comment asking if we came up with the uh, K and C tartan yet. <laughs> I was just bugging him about that, actually. <clears throat> no, I haven't done it yet. The dog ate my homework. Um, no, I have not done it yet. We just got through our uh, construction project. We just got through our party. We just got through a photo shoot. New all over the, for new, new website hire. stuff, new hires and yep. everything. Yep. We're ramping up, and I'm like, yes, now I have a chance to breathe. <sighs> and then Eric wrong. comes in and says, hey, you know, we have all these projects to do, and you didn't do the Kilts and Culture Dark, and we have yep. to make this shirt and that shirt, and we have to do this and this, and then I just started crying in a ball in the corner. It was, it was a sad And we just sight. gave him some more scotch. I wept. And now he's back. Yes. Um, it is something I've told him, please bug me about. I do want to get it done. Um, mm -hmm. For those who don't know... We talked about doing a uh, tartan for our Facebook group called Kilts and Culture. If you're not a member, go check it out. But it is something that is on my agenda. I just have a very, 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 very long agenda. Yeah, and uh, on a similar vein, we had had uh, Eric Scott Fisher had asked us if there were any uh, more plans for new tartans coming out in PV. Uh, <coughs> weathered! <coughs> um, so, Eric, that answer is also your answer. The next tartan that we do in the PV range, I suspect, is going to be the kilts and culture yes is that correct and and we're trying to figure out a weathered look for it it's difficult to do um there's only so many stock yarns that the mill has for the polyviscous for range. Yeah. so it's not like there's i can just pick a a random color of you know brown a random color of gray to work in the weathers <clears throat> they're they're like here's our four browns pick yeah. one of those and will will they would do another color brown but the cost is just astronomical when we have to go custom weaving or custom dyeing specific yep. yarns, especially for the PV, because it's two different fibers and they have to actually do the dye process twice. And they have to do it in a, in a weird way so that both of the polyester and the rayon fibers take or end up being the same color. Because if not, then you end up with like a oh, marled interesting point. kind of yarn. It's, yeah. it's a whole thing. Except we'd want a marled yarn in this case. Potentially. Yeah. That might actually help us get the effect we want. Um, stop it. You're making work for me. The, well, there's they do marled grays. Yeah. So I might do, like we did with the sterling, have like a marled gray but a flat brown just to kind of give it some I think, depth. I feel like that's the way to go. Um, but uh, we'll get back to you on that. That's that's a yeah. little long, sticky wicket. Yeah. But uh, we're always interested in doing more PV tartans. Um, and we're interested in doing more original tartans. But it really depends on market supply and demand basically if, if there's enough demand for it then it's more in our interest and more in the interest of the mill um to get it going so uh kilts and culture is at the top of the list because that's a emotional priority as well as a you know business thing you know it's just 
it's the team colors. <laughs> we yeah. definitely want to do it. Fair. So, yeah. No, it's 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 the it's the the balance that we have to strike between number of tartans and you know ability to sell said tartans yeah. so that we can eat. Um, they don't like to work for free. I've tried to just hire interns. Well, maybe if I had a purple sheriff mirror to keep me warm in those cold winter nights. Done. Yeah. Okay. That's your next month's salary. He's trading salary for a sheriff, purple sheriff mirror. Yeah, that's going to be fun to explain. Sweet. Hey, honey. Sorry, honey. I look pretty awesome as a Joker type guy, though. I do want to do a kilted Joker costume someday. Purple sheriff mirror Kilt, would do kilted, it, dude. Kilted, kilted Joker. Yep. Fair yep. enough. I'll be Halloween next year. Anyway, digressing big time. Slightly. Anything else, Mac? Mac, bring well, us on track. Since we're still on topic of somewhat construction, um, yep. we have Mark asking, do solid colors have different pleat depths than tartan? Wow, um, techie questions today. Solid colors can have any pleat depth up and to, up and, in, up and including, up to and including, I can't speak, um, like an inch. Um, so that'd be a kilted skirt, but the, uh, yeah, um, it really depends on how much fabric you want in your kilt. I mean, realistically, for a solid color kilt, we can do it as a four-yard kilt, as a five-yard kilt, as an eight-yard, as a 27-yard kilt. It doesn't matter um, because we're just, you know, mathematically figuring out, okay, for the face of the pleat at three-quarter inch wide, how much, you know, is it, you know, a seven-inch, eight-inch, ten-inch repeat until we get to the next chunk we're going to do, and then you just figure out how much cloth you need and you stack it up and go. Yeah. Um, in some ways, solid color kilts are easier, and in other ways, they're much, much more difficult than than uh, tartan kilts. Right, Mac. <clears throat> I yeah. mean, tartan kilts you have they're they're gridular. What are they, Eric? Gridular. Gridular. <laughs> you have a grid on the surface of the fabric, so you're literally just stacking up the grid either to the stripe, or you have a stripe going down every one, or you're just advancing one little tiny chunk on the grid to make up the pattern and do it to the set. Mm -hmm. For solid color kilts, they're de facto to the stripe um, because there's <laughs> nothing there. So you can do whatever you want. The problem is there's no lines to guide you. Yeah. So no you literally have to get out a T-square and draw the pleat in for each one, and then you're going to iron it in the way we do it, is we iron it in a different order, where you literally draw chalk out all of the pleats, top to bottom, and then you go over the ironing table, and you iron in the edge of each pleat, and then you have something to work off of, and stack them up. So it is a lot more, I shouldn't say a lot more, it is somewhat more labor-intensive, and you're doing things in, a, in an alternate order than you normally do, so since we don't do a whole lot of them, it's a bit of a pain, but it can be done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd say the order is just different. It, it's you're just you're still doing the same steps. They're just different order. And, I mean, I was a part of what I went to school with. I was part of design dra design like art like drafting. So laying something out like that, it becomes a drafting project. You're there you literally drawing everything on there yep. and creating it on a blank sheet of paper. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think they're that bad to do. It's just it's just it's <clears throat> different. It's a whole different thinking process you got to do the part that i used to hate about them was the the problem with solid colors <clears throat> is you can't tell if the fabric is twisted yes on a tartan because of the way it's woven and it's gridular right again yep gridular gridular um the word of the day it has to be exactly 90 degree 
corners. On a solid color kilt, you don't know if you're actually, you know, basically think of it as an individual strand of thread um, or yarn. You have to think of it like if it's going exactly down, are you ironing on that exact, you know, line on that exact uh, strand mm -hmm. of thread? Or are you going kind of at an angle, but it looks straight because you've drawn a straight chalk line. So it's, the pleats can get a little wonky because of that. Sounds like, sounds like. It is. Yeah. Yeah, nerve wracking. I don't like them. Okay. For I, that's if, I like solid color kilts. I don't no, like making them for if that. If it's a shadow tartan, then you, you can use the shadow tartan to... Yeah, you're going to hurt your eyes. Yeah, but, but is that better than having to chalk it? Do you still chalk it when you do a shadow tartan, Mac? It depends on the shadow tartan. Okay. Some of the mills are easier to see than other mills. Yep. We actually okay. have two over there right now, okay. um, which might be a good thing to get a picture of them if, sure. if we can. Um, but yeah, some of them are really hard to see. You have to really skew your your vision the way you tilt your head the way you look okay to even get to see the pattern and there's some that you can just look down and see it even okay. from the same mill i know martin mills has the black aisle and the black or black shadow tartans like mm -hmm. two of the effectively similar but one of them there's very clear differences yep. and the other one it's super subtle okay. i mean like i very very subtle so mm -hmm. it's you basically just kind of you know i think it looks right let's go yeah <laughs> so let me ask a, a sort of related backup question um, or follow question. I mean, um, is there, regardless of regardless of what the set size is or what the tartan is um, or solid, what is the optimal depth for a pleat for uh, getting the optimal swish factor and also like feel of the kilt overall, like how heavy the kilt is or how how thick it feels when yeah, you wear yeah. it? What what's the perfect depth of a pleat to have that kilt look? absolutely awesome when you're in motion i or isn't there such a I, thing it it's again it depends on a lot of things it depends on the size of the guy true a, okay, an okay. eight yard kilt on a guy with a 28 inch waist is going to be a bit much whereas somebody with a 65 inch waist he's going to need a 10 yard kilt okay. um so it depends a little bit on that the i'd say for an average size guy yeah 40 ish inch waist 38 40 somewhere in there um Eight yards gives eight yards, sixteen ounce gives a good swish, a good you know. It, there's enough body okay. to the cloth and weight to the cloth that it gets a bit of momentum. Think of it that way from a physics kind of okay. standpoint. Okay. There's a little bit more momentum, more momentum with the swish. A thirteen ounce kilt would be fine as well. Um, <clears throat> that's why when we make a five yard kilt and we're selling a five yard kilt to a customer, my patent answer or, or thing to think about is. If cost is not a factor or they're both the same price material-wise, I always go with 16-ounce cloth for a 5-yarder as opposed to 13 because it hangs a little bit nicer. There's a little bit more swish to it because okay. of the weight of the cloth and the momentum that it'll gain. So so those factors are more important than the depth of the pleat then? So no, the depth okay. of the pleat is like It's definitely a, still part of related. Okay. Yes, a 13-ounce kilt, an 8-yard 13 ounce kilt uh -huh. will swish and have more momentum okay. than a five yard 16 ounce kilt. Okay. So okay. my point is for a five yarder, since you've compromised for lack of a better term on the amount of fabric in the kilt, then I say go for a little bit heavier again, if price isn't an option or isn't okay. a concern. Okay. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. I think so. Mac, anything to add to that? No. Okay. okay. A no, man of no. many words. <laughs> yep. No. Nope. <clears throat> Next. All right. So now we got some uh, 
Guild Hose questions. We've got Tim. You should wear two. Yeah, you should. At the same time. Usually at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> Different legs, though. On on your legs. Yes. Yes. Um, he's been looking to get some <laughs> Guild Hose. What kind of. a sock puppet now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Continue, Matt. That, so, that could be a whole sideline. We could, yeah. It'd be for the kids' store. We could have Guild Hose puppets. Hmm. You have the Loch Ness Monster, you know? And. The Loch Ness Monster. Not much <laughs> yeah. else you could do. Maybe with a snake. Maybe. Yeah, maybe a snake. Yeah, sorry. Except for Irish, it'd be the St. Patrick versus the snake. And a, Loch- a little top part. hat on it. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. We usually go off the rails at the end of the question, not um, before it's actually. I just had two different whiskeys. I'm, Fair enough. Yeah. Anyway, Mac. I'm terribly sorry, Matt. Continue Mac. on, please, good sir. Please try again. <laughs> All right. So uh, Tim's looking to get some killed hose. Okay. What color hose would you recommend for a Murray of Athol? Ancient muted. As well, we have Jacob. Ancient or muted. They're two different things. Oh, yeah. he just says ancient muted. I didn't even... I yeah, was just already going on. to the next one. Come on, Mr. Kiltmaker guy. Let's go. One of those two. We have we have a similar question to that later, but uh, we'll get to that. Um, <laughs> Is he threatening me? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> um, Jacob's also asking on the topic of hose. He's seen pictures with pattern checkerboard tops, argyle tops. Mm-hmm. Um, he really likes the look. Um... Is that something that is a typical thing? Is that a, a more of a unique thing? And do we know a good place to get something like that? Sure. So the tartan ink for the first question was Murray <clears throat> Athol. Yeah. Either okay. ancient, ancient or muted. or muted. Ancient or muted. Let's take them both. Ancient first. Sure. I would love to. Go for it. Um, <clears throat> when it comes to matching uh, kilt hose to your kilt or getting kilt hose to match either your kilt or your top, you can do two things. You can either match your kilt or your top so murray of athol ancient has light blue like a light sky blue and a light grassy kind of green color so for that particular tartan i'd say either love it blue love it green or an ancient blue ancient green hose like a light color um charcoal potentially would be a good one now because there's black in there you can wear black and black hose as well because there's going to be black in that tartan there's orange in it, but I wouldn't necessarily wear orange hose. That would Black. be Go orange. off-putting. <laughs> Team orange. <clears throat> All right, well, fair. <laughs> to a Flyers game, I'd wear it. There you go. Um, if you're wearing Murray of Athol muted, it's going to be an olive green and like a stormy sky blue right. and a you know charcoal or black color in there as well. For that, I would probably say either love it blue would still kind of match it okay. Um, there aren't a, a whole lot of hose options for... No. Olive, like dr- olive drab, yeah. or like an olive green. Yeah. Um, so black or charcoal would be good because the charcoal, because it's kind of earthy, like yeah. the like the muted tartness. Charcoal is just universal. It goes, it'll go with anything. Yeah, pretty really. much. The now that being said, you can match the kilt, or you can match your jacket. <clears throat> when the uh, uh, our one of the companies that we get our stuff from over in the UK that makes our kilt hose, I've asked them for specific colors to match kilts and some of the colors that they carry are just a little bit off and I actually asked them like why don't you carry just a straight ancient blue pair of kilt hose it it would match kilts so much better and their response was because we designed our kilt hose to match our stock tweeds Mm. so we want our kilt hose to match the tweeds my retort was out of a hundred people Let's say on the high side, they don't kilts, on the high side, 50 of them own a tweed jacket. Yeah. You know how many of those hundred own a kilt? 
all hundred. Why don't you make your kilt hose to match the kilt? You are cutting off your nose despite your you're 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 limiting yeah. your potential for sales on the kilt hose if you're just matching them to your tweeds. So I don't know if it fell on deaf ears or not, but yeah. the my preference is to match it to the kilt or match it to the jacket. There are, you know, love it green, love it blue, like a, a mid-gray charcoal that are all gonna match tweed jackets as well. So either either one of those is fine. I'd say if you can match your jacket, you look kind of balanced top and bottom. If you can't, because you're wearing a a, a weird brown kind of color jacket or you know some some odd kind of color tweed jacket, then match your kilt hose to one of the colors in your kilt, and that would look fine as well. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say I think the more marled the thread is, the better off you are in general. I think I think it, 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 <coughs> yes adds, no. it adds flexibility <coughs> that you know could go with in in several directions, you know, several different tartans. I agree with you, except my and this is my personal preference. For if you're wearing a black PC or a black Argyle, I'd prefer okay. a flatter because the jacket is such a well, flat yeah, color, yeah, for, a flat yeah. color for the hose. Yeah. Now, that being said, if you don't have black hose and you need to wear charcoal marled yarn to match the color in the kilt, then that's fine. It's not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. But I'm in perfect world land. Oh. Um, I would say if you're going to wear something black, a, a either bottle green solid mm-hmm. or or a, a black hose or navy solid color navy that kind of thing yeah i think so you have a pair of hose for formal and you have a pair of hose yeah. for every day yeah hose are not that expensive hose are a very very good way to add a little bit of color or subtract color from your outfit if you want to and it's not a and a hugely expensive you know investment you know what i'm doing now i know exactly what you're doing yeah. buddy boy yeah you can proceed without me if you want to okay Mac, don't worry about it. Next question. All right, so along the, the lines of the um, kilt hose, Jay is asking, would leg wraps or like like putts, like putties, uh, be weird to wear with a kilt? Putties, putties, yeah, uh, yes. Don't do it. Um, basically, the um, when you're looking at historical clothing. And you are looking at uh, the breadth of Europe. A lot of us who are into the medieval stuff start to look at uh, things like the Bayeux Tapestry and images of uh, Anglo-Saxons and, you know, the the Norsemen. And you see these leg wraps, uh, which uh, the more common name uh, from that time period is Vickelbonder, basically wrapped to wrap around. Um, And it's not a technology that was being used at the time that uh, the Highlanders were wearing kilts that we know of. Now, they did have uh, basically the equivalent of stockings or kilt hose like we have, but knitting was not really a prevalent uh, technology in like the 17th and 18th century or 16th century even um, for leggings. Basically, your leggings back then were... Um, material. They're material. Woven. Yeah, yeah. essentially um, in other parts of Europe or you know in the UK even. Uh, it wasn't the UK then, but anyway. Uh, the British Isles, um, you would have trues, which are basically fabric, you know, tight fitting pants that came all the way up and often were kept up with a pair of garters and then if you imagine cutting the top of those off so you just have the below the knee part well that's your kilt hose and you'd basically keep it up with a garter belt a or a a garter strap and then later you know that's what flashes evolved out of so garter ties um so if you want a period historical look um you want to find a cloth which is similar to tartan wool 
and basically make a tube that goes around the lower part of your leg, basically uh, a fabric boot, if you will, or a sock that's made out of a, a, a woven material as opposed to a knitted material. Um, this, despite the fact that in the photo shoot we just recently did, I was actually wearing knitted hose. They had a closer look than modern kill hose, but they were not technically accurate for the time period that my outfit was based on. Um, I think that hopefully that answers the question. And for a festival, but don't don't do the wraparound thing. That just look. That's a totally different look. Totally different time period. And for a festive look, Christmas stockings, nice white fur cuff. Yeah, furry, furry red. Yeah, look. if you want to do Santa Claus. Yeah, Max Santa. Yeah. Okay. Indeed. Now I know what I'm gonna wear for the holiday party. Wait, do you set? see my sweat? Oh, I got a sweater. You have a you oh. have an ugly holiday sweater. Oh, okay. I got an ugly ho- ten bucks okay. flyer sweater. Ten bucks. Yes. Ten oh, bucks I almost flyers. wear it for Halloween, orange or black. <sighs> okay. Indeed. Thanks for undercutting my point about historical authenticity and you can fashion. Edit me out. And, okay. Yeah. Right, you're right. I can. <laughs> Does that that make sense to you, right, Mac? Yeah, I always I, like to verify the, with you. The only thing that I was gonna was be pointing out was that you know. For when we do War One, um, as unless fighting in the trenches, War One, like we wore, uh, like we have. That's different. We have yes, a, we have that's... we have putts on for that, but they're also right. they're also short ones, not the long ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're usually you see them more wrapped around the ankle mm-hmm. and lower, ride, riding lower with the kilt hose than you do see them going up the leg. And you had and you had yeah. other other troops, non kilted troops, were wearing them. Yes. Now, what's what's the earliest date you have on on? Patis, uh, for for Highland troops, for troops in general. So no, Highland troops are wearing them throughout. So you'll World see, War One. Yeah, you'll see. I'm that. talking. Like, <coughs> oh, World you're talking World before that. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna guess 1860s at earliest. Yeah, but you also had spats, so they were getting rid of the yeah, spats. I think, I think the patis were easier and faster for, to produce. Yes. Than spats, and that's why they became yep. a thing. Yeah. So Which kind of see, a throwback. You weird see the throwback. Crimean and Civil War, mm-hmm. with them wearing spats or gaiters. And right. they get rid of them. Right. It's funny that how many things from the 20th century uniforms were throwbacks to medieval designs. Mm-hmm. There's another one. You always think about the helmet designs, but never mind. Sorry. Sorry. Rocky's Different like, show. Moving along. Different show. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yep. Yes. <laughs> and since Rocky already queued this one up, All right. David is asking, Christmas is coming. Um, is getting your options, what would be a good tartan to wear for Christmas time? <laughs> Any you want. There's, yeah, there's a lot right. of them. Um, anything with effectively red and green um, as as prevalent colors in tartan. Um, Royal Stewart, McGregor, if you happen to be of those lines or don't care about tartan you're wearing. Um, Celtic Nations is a good universal one that has a, a good Christmassy type tartan. Mm-hmm. Um, the mm-hmm. the Clan Claws tartan, if you're a member of Clan Claws, it's an actual thing. Yeah, I wouldn't, um, but you're not, you can't wear that unless you're a member yeah, of the Clan Claws. That's what I'm so. saying if you're a member of Clan yeah, Claws. Yeah. Um, the, I'm just name dropping, bro. Right on, right on. Cool. <laughs> the uh, uh, yeah, anything with basically red and green, um, or I'd I'd say simpler tartans with a hint of red in it, maybe. Um, this wouldn't mm-hmm. be bad. The one that I'm wearing here, the McEwen, with the red, you know, stripes in it, but kind of simple. And what else you wear with the rest of the outfit? So if I'm gonna wear uh, Stuart Hunting, there's another one with the you know the the ketchup and mustard striping in it. Ketchup and mustard is 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 us joking about the fact that it has yellow and red stripes. Um, you could wear a red sweater with that one and, you know, rock the Christmas look pretty hard. Yeah, I'd say, like, if you have only one one kilt, like you have your tartan, your family tartan, and your tartan doesn't feel Christmassy to you, there might be ways to game the rest of the outfit 
Yeah, so it looks, you know, nice. There are different toned up or toned down reds and greens that you could use with whatever tartan you happen to be wearing to make a more of a Christmassy feel to it. Christmas I was stocking kilt hose. There you go. I'm telling okay. you. I was going to go completely, in all seriousness, though, I was going to go a different direction and say that um, blues and whites, because of the cold, you know, the winter ice thing. Okay. You know, you get that Grandfather Frost vibe going. That's Russian, but, you know. Um, blues, whites, and golds, Holyrood, I think, is a very nice holiday tartan. Because it's that it's that cool wintry snowflakey kind of vibe. Okay, you know, it's I mean? like the icebreakers. Yeah, oh. yeah. So just some, and then you have yeah. your coffee tartan to go with it. Exactly. But okay. yeah, see where, see where I'm going with that. That's yeah, what I anything do. with red and green, um, even if it's yeah. not even green, I'd say Wallace. Wallace is another good one. Yeah, because uh, it's yep. just red and black with a yellow stripe. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And then well, I don't want to go gold accessories thing, but yeah. Yeah, I mean... I, That's difficult to pull off. I have mixed I, feelings about gold accessories. I think some people can really pull it off, but it's not not really my yeah. thing. Yeah, Except when I get my purple sheriff mirror. So. Big gold hoop earrings with it. I could do that. Yeah. We are, um, we are shaggy. But there you go. Basically, for if you if you got the scratch and you're going to have a special kilt just for the holidays, then, um, yeah, uh, I would agree Celtic Nations is a good one. It's also available in PV from us. So... You don't have to spend a lot of extra money to have a special kilt. I wonder how many people have a main kilt and then have like one or two specialty kilts that they bring out just for special occasions. You know what I mean? Like how many guys out there are masons, so they have the Masonic tartan, but most of the time they wear their clan tartan. You know I, I mean? would like first tier and second tier choices. It would depend on how many kilts you have and or what the occasions are. The Masonic oh, yeah. is a good one because you would go to a monthly meeting kind of thing. Right. But if it's like just a Christmas kilt, I would guess that that person probably has like six or seven other kilts yeah, they're before you get around seriously. to thinking about like, I need a kilt for Christmas specifically. Yeah. yeah. Um, the Easter kilt is where Taylor Ancient. You know, there's other things you can do and mm -hmm. Patty's Day kilt and wear something green, but yeah. 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 Interesting. Hmm. Okay. Indeed. Quite. Hmm. But yeah, I would say, but it's kind of like a lot of things to say. I wouldn't overthink it. Yeah. You know, red and green is fine. Or just, Indeed. Or just accessorize. Tinsel. A tinsel kilt pin. Yeah. Now I'm thinking, oh, geez. There, tinsel, tinsel tassels no, on a spring. No, no, worse. <laughs> the light up icicle. Yes. Things that like outside yes. the house as, now as you're tassels. Yeah, and then take, man. Take out the uh, take out the little the little brass the silver pieces there and put lights Christmas lights LEDs. There and give it, oh, yes. twinkle. tinsel sporing yeah. strap. There you go. Yes. All right, man. Ugh. Ho ho ho. It's, I think we have some new editing ideas for Portland too. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes. Yep. Nice. Nothing editing. Nothing. I'm gonna go find a old sport. <laughs> We're gonna make this happen. I'm gonna make one. Ugh. I don't. I don't. I don't want like next shows. This... Next shows December. Is this like Frankenstein's monster? Are we doing something unholy by, yeah, by creating fine. things? Yeah. Should these things exist? We, yes. We, we, we never, what's the quote? You know, they, they, they didn't ask if, or they only wanted to know if it was possible, not whether they should, should do, do it. it. Yes. Mm -hmm. You're so busy figuring out if you could do it. You didn't stop to ask if you should. Yes. Yeah. That. Jurassic Park. With the kill Sock host, puppet. Kill hocus. It's a throwback. Brontosaurus. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Dino DNA. <laughs> Oh my gosh, you guys are very patient, and thank you very much for yes. sticking with us. Mr. Mac. More? All right, Chris is asking, he's considering a five-yard wool kilt for his next purchase. Okay. How well do they dress up for formal occasions, or should he just stick with an eight-yarder? Um, They're fine. Pretty fine. It's, it's, yeah. I would say this. 99% of the time, when you go somewhere in a kilt, even if there's other guys there in a kilt, they are not going to know 
whether you have a five yard kill on a semi-traditional or eight yard kill they all look effectively the same and they are not judging you and like with a you know with the old spyglass you know kind of walking up to the back of you and inspecting your kilt mm. so i wouldn't put too too much you know emphasis or, or or you know energy into making the decision i wouldn't get too worked up about it get the best that you can afford um get what you want to wear get what you are going to be happy with yeah. what you feel you are going to look your best in a lot of times that is an eight yard kilt if you have the scratch to do it it's going to swing a little bit nicer. That being said, it's not the end of the world for someone to wear a five-yard kilt to a formal function. And as I said, yeah. most people won't even recognize that it's a lesser material kilt. Yeah, true. And actually, I think I support fully people doing five-yard kilts as a way to get the second kilt they want, but without spending a huge amount of money. You know, they want that specialty kilt, like we were just kind of alluding to, um, just for fun. And uh, yeah, five dollar, five yard kilt is in the budget. Eight yard, maybe not for something you're not going to use as often. So nothing wrong with that. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. the the way kilts are priced is not on how much are you going to wear it. Like we can't we can't sit here and figure out. Okay, well this this these people are only going to wear this three times a year, so we have to charge X for it. Kilts are based on how much labor does it take to make, how much material is in it, and how much does the material cost. Those are the three things that factor into the price of a kilt. So you, the onus is on you as the customer to figure out, am I going to wear this three times a year, once a year, or once a week? Right. And do you have a disposable income enough so that wearing a, a or buying a $500 wool kilt is not going to put you into hock and make you take out a second mortgage? So it's ultimately up to you. It's whatever you're comfortable with and whatever fits within your budget. It's all about you, period. Mm -hmm. Yeah, pretty much in a nutshell. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Preach. Preach on, brother man. <laughs> Can I get an amen, Eric? All right, Mr. Mac. All right, so we have uh, John asking, what is the difference between <clears throat> a modern and ancient tartan? Modern Modern. I need to ancient. get. I need to get more uh, red or a warm monster. What is the difference between a modern ancient tartan and, and ancient. a modern tartan? Yes. Okay. Classic question. Very good question. There are, when it comes to tartans they think of them as different color palettes mm -hmm. a tartan itself is defined by the thread count thread count meaning if i take the tartan that i'm wearing here and i stack up eight yellow stripes two black stripes 24 green stripes and i give you a sequence of colors and numbers when you put that into a computer or the weaver looks at it and you know loads up the threads when you stack all those up including the repeats you end up with a tartan the color green that I want to use in the tartan, or the color blue, can vary based on whether it is a weathered, whether it is ancient, whether it is modern, whether it's muted. So, <clears throat> think of modern, muted, weathered, and ancient as color palettes. So, in the ancient color palette, green is going to be a little bit lighter. They're going to be, look like ancient colored dyes, like plant dyes, yada, yada, yada. It's all kind of marketing BS that the mills use to be able to sell more cloth. Yeah. But, and give people more options. I'll put it a nice spin on it. Yeah. <clears throat> so, in the ancient color scheme, typically the greens are going to be a light kind of grassy green color. The blue is going to be a, a light sky blue. Red is going to be more of an, inch, or a, an orange kind of color. Yellow is going to be a little bit pale of a yellow. In moderns, they're meant to mimic modern dyes, so the red is going to be a scarlet, a bold red. 
Green is going to be a bottle green, like a beer bottle. Blue is going to be a navy blue. Yellow is going to be a bold, bright, vibrant yellow. Mm-hmm. In muted, the green is going to be an olive green. The yellow is going to be like a goldish kind of color, a mustardy kind of yellow. The blue is going to be like a stormy sky blue. And red is going to be a little bit darker, more like a blood red. Not quite maroon, but a blood red color. In weathered, that's the one, or reproduction colors as they're also known, you're actually going to take the blue and it's going to almost change entirely to like a steel blue, like a gray kind of color. The greens are going to change to like a brownish kind of color. Yellow is just going to be like a really, really pale pastel-y yellow. And red turns to like a salmon-y pinkish red kind of color. So it's just the color palette. Using a, a parallel to the automotive industry, think of like a a red Chevy Corvette and a blue Chevy Corvette. They're both a Chevy Corvette. They're just slightly different colors. Changing the color palette does not make it a different tartan. It does not make it unofficial. The clan chief is not saying, well, the ancient isn't correct. The modern's correct. It's just the mill's way of giving customers more than one option. Mm-hmm. Basically, yeah. And Indeed. This is mostly a modern thing that's happened in like the past 80 years. Yeah, really. 80, 100, year, 100 yeah. years, I'd say now. Yeah. Now, what I would also point out is this. <clears throat> not all modern colors, not all ancient colors are going to be created equal. A red That's car true. from, you know, you know, going back to my car analogy, a red car from Ford is not the same red as a red car from Chevy. You're going to, you know, the, the Ford one is going to just break down. So, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, uh, a, especially in ancients is where I find it's the most obvious. Oh, yeah. House yeah. of Edgar, for instance, House of Edgar's ancient color scheme. The green is a little bit darker and the blue is a little bit darker than all the rest of the mills. For the most of, for Strathmore, Lock Heron, Martin Mills, all the other mills, the ancient color scheme is going to be more pastel-y kind of colors. Mm-hmm. And for House of Edgar, it's a little bit darker. So when you go from one mill to the other mill to the other mill, you're going to get a variation of colors. It's not going to be able to match dead on. The set size may be a, bit, a little bit different, but you're getting a product from one company and a product from a different company. So they are competing entities. So there's going to be some differences. There is no right answer. There is no, the set size must be exactly 7.3 inches. There's none of that. It's going to be what that mill decides is commercially viable. Yeah. So it just comes down to which one you like best when you're considering it. Yeah. And it's, it's, that's where they're going to try and differentiate because modern palette is so much more just primary colors. It's hard to come up with more variants. But with everything else, everybody wants to be a little bit special, you know. So they they try to differentiate with those color palettes. Yep, yeah. they want to it's they want to be different so that they're like the whole reason why reproduction was made up in the 1950s was because Kenny Dalglish's father wanted to come up with something different than the standard modern, the standard ancient that was out there. So he came up with the browns and grays of a reproduction material, and that's how that kind of took off. And then when that took off and started selling more and more in the, and La Heron came out with their range of effectively similar color palette, House of Edgar said in the 90s, oh, well, those are selling, but we don't want to do the same thing. So we're going to make muted, which is like olive greens and a stormy sky blue. So they just took it into a little bit different of a direction just to differentiate their products from their competitors. Yep. 
it's there's this this is a very very long-standing industry steeped in a lot of history and tradition but at the same time it's an industry it's there there is you know there is competition here there is you know a bunch of it's 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 a business period so you have to kind of navigate that in with the tradition make sense very shaggy dog yes so that's the difference in the colors. Super shaggy. <laughs> <laughs> He's back to you saying, oh, "I get it." Okay. He's like, "Shut I up already!" Right. Jesus. Jeez. Now I think we have, a, I think we have a pretty good graphic. I think in our blog at one point we put something up there. I think yeah, I've, did. I've done a couple of images. It's got showing a, a different, good different to visually see it. It's got a good comparison to the sale of one mm-hmm. tartan on all the variants. Yep. Yeah, I did. I did. Uh, thank you for the reminder. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I should still have those images somewhere. So, and if not, yep. it's not difficult. Yeah. Very good, Mr. Mack. Alrighty, I think uh, Eric, you might actually have this question uh, in your notes. Okay. But James is asking um, uh, Gillies. Yes. Uh, he needs a wide width shoe, usually an EE or a triple E, depending on the manufacturer. However, uh, likely only wear them a couple times a year. Are there any uh, <coughs> economical ones yeah, available? I think they- um, yeah. Or do you have to spend upwards of you know a lot of money to get the wide width? Um, this has been an issue with him for thirty years finding wide widths. <clears throat> uh, or is there an alternative uh, like ankle boots, um, as you've noted uh, previously? And he also wants to know when we'll open an annex in Pittsburgh. Unfortunately, the Penguins are there, so that ain't going to happen. That's... Yeah, that's a deal breaker right there. Mm-hmm. It is. I think we we James, we talked about your question um, just this morning actually because um, we were thinking about different options. Um, you're not alone in your problem. I'll answer the first part or the, the last part first and then turn it over to you because you had some thoughts on this. Um, the, uh, the alternative shoes that I personally like is there's a, there's a certain style of walking boot that's out right now. Um, mine come from Bass, but there are other manufacturers that make them as well. And it's basically it's a, a short height uh, leather walking boot with broguing in it. And it's designed to mimic a 19th century, early 20th century walking boot, which is why I usually call it a Victorian walking boot. Um, they're comfortable. Um, they look fine for a lot of occasions. I wouldn't necessarily use them for formal, like after six. Um, but if you want a nice looking smart day wear kind of a boot, that's going to be more comfortable than a lot of Gillybrogues sometimes are. Um, and you don't feel like dealing with the laces or something, then, uh, it's a really good option. I like them a lot. Um, but, uh, as for the sizing thing, <coughs> or over even, to you. Well, even uh, just to touch on that as well, even yeah. like a low... You know, eight-hole Doc Martens or something like that. Anything low boots generally look fine in a casual kind of setting yeah. with kilts as well. And as you kind of alluded to, there's a lot of companies right now, they're kind of in fashion, so to speak. So there's a lot of budget-type companies and sales and things going on for that. So just go to your local mall, local outlets, whatever it outlets is. Outlets are great for that, yeah. Yeah, and look for sales on shoes. Um, uh, Gilly Brogues in wide sizes. Uh, they're, they are kind of a niche within a niche. Believe it or not, not everyone wears kilts yet. We're not quite there yet. We're working on it. The, that being said, the number of people who wear kilts, who also wear ghillie brogues is, you know, a, it's still a good chunk within that niche. Yeah. But the guys who have wide feet within that are even smaller of a niche. So they're not manufactured as much or as highly as you would necessarily like. So there are limited options in what you can purchase in them. The I'm going to come up with an analogy, and this is not meant to sound harsh, 
But, you know, kind of going back to what I had said, you know, in, in previous was if you if I went into a Chevy dealer and said, you know what, I want to buy this Corvette, but I'm only going to drive it a couple days a month. So I don't want to pay the full boat for it. I only want to pay this much for it. It's it's not how much you want to pay for it and how much you're going to get usage out of it. It's how much it took to make the thing and the model that it is and all the effort that went into making it. So it's it's really up to you to figure out, okay, how much am I going to wear the kilt with Gilly Brogues and come up with your own financial decision. Again, we don't want you, you know, mortgaging your house to be able to afford stuff. You might be able to sacrifice other parts of the outfit or go a little bit less expensive on other parts of the outfit in order to afford it. You may have to save up a little bit longer in order to afford it. You may be able to get away with buying a less expensive pair of ghillies, and if you have a shoe stretcher, you know, put it in a pair of cheaper ones with a little bit cheaper leather and stretch them out. If you don't have a shoe stretcher, then buying a shoe stretcher would probably end up costing as much as the $120 pair of ghillies that have, you know, the wide sizes. So it's really up to you to figure out how much you want to spend on the thing, how much is it worth to you. If you say, eh, I don't, I cannot justify, or, or my wife won't let me spend more than this per month on my kilt budget or per year on my kilt budget, then wear a pair of wingtips or ask for it for Christmas. There are other ways to get what you want or ask for gift certificates from all the members of your family from a particular kilt store that, that you can then purchase the Gilly Brogues so that it's not putting a, a pinch in your wallet. Um, when it comes to Highland wear, when it comes to things like that, you get what you pay for. And cheap ghillies or cheap kilts or things like that won't necessarily be good. They'll be serviceable for the amount of money you're paying, but if you're looking for something good or you're looking for something odd, not odd, but you're looking for something that's less common, like wide ghillies, then if you want it, you have to pay for it. You can't necessarily have your cake and eat it too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are ways to bake your own cake by getting the ingredients from your family members. I don't know. Stone cake? I think I, I, my analogy failed I think miserably. I, 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 but. Yeah. Um, I just want to say I, I feel your pain. I don't have super wa- uh, large feet, but I do have uh, pinky toes that stick out. And I find a lot of – I have issues with a lot of different shoes because rubbing. of rubbing. Yep. So um, ghillies are definitely a challenge. Um, as much as we love ghillies here – and think they look cool and they add a certain you know panache gravitas. to an outfit of a certain gravitas they're a modern thing honestly for the most part they are they really were invented like in the 40s or so to try and give yet another layer of throwback to survive as a survival of a tradition you know and, and casting your memory back and your romantic vision back to the old and old and olden times when they strapped on their shoes so if they got stuck in the mud the shoe wouldn't get stuck and they'd bring the shoe out of the mud safely so you had the holes in the shoes and you had the straps going up your ankles so you wouldn't lose your shoes. But it, it's it's basically that kind of romantic story which makes the Gillies emblematic. If you look at photographs prior to like the 1950s, you're going to have a hard time finding guys wearing Gilly Brooks. They're mostly wearing regular shoes. That's what people did. They wore regular shoes. If you want a, a very authentic alternative that's really actually period, then wear Buckle Brooks. You know, those are shoes that people actually wore 
in the 18th century. And Max is like, yup. So it's no Max laughing at me because I'm I hate he hates buckle bros. Say, and I'm also God, twitching. Um, I, I love my day brokes. I'll wear I there wear them more than anything else yeah. probably. So so as I as I often tell people, it's about the overall impression of the outfit and trying to be put together for the overall effect. Do not get too caught up on one detail if that detail is going to make you uncomfortable or if it's not going to work for your body or something or your budget or your or your budget yeah i mean you can go without a kilt <clears throat> then theoretically you know you can go about go without a certain kind of buckle or a fancier buckle you know if it but the overall effect of the overall outfit head to toe is what you want if your feet don't work with gillybrogs and you can't find gillybrogs that fit just wear nice shoes that do fit it's okay you know, you're not you're not flying in the face of tradition. You're not insulting anybody. Is yeah, that fair to say? Yeah, yeah. But for me, ultimately, it's the it's the balance of what are you comfortable spending, what do you want to actually look like as a yeah. finished product, you know, put together head to toe, yeah. and then trying to get as close to that as possible. And if you can't, being okay with that and saying, okay, well, if I if I refuse to spend, you know, more than five hundred dollars on this list of accessories then say okay well maybe this sporn maybe i could get the the model that's 30 dollars cheaper that i don't like quite as much but that does give me more comfortable shoes and you can balance out your budget that way it's Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. it's all about balancing your budget i I do think there's something you said also for quality that's going to last you a lifetime i mean you may only be wearing the shoes a couple times a year but if you never ever have to think about it again for the rest of your life it's worth investing in, perhaps. Um, <clears throat> talk to a local cobbler. They're harder to find these days, but they do exist. Um, and it may be that they can say, well, I can either make this for you, or you can get this size and this type, and I can modify it for you. It's you know, going to be so much more expensive, though, that way. I, I know. It's just, I'm saying there are different ways to do it. <clears throat> yeah. You know? it's. I don't know how much pain he's in. <laughs> True, but I'm like, if he goes to a cobbler, I don't know how much yeah. it... They're not going to be cheap because there's not many of them around. Yeah. That's kind of the point. I'll, I'll give one other thought um, along similar lines. People have tried to get Gillybrogue laces and wear them with regular shoes. Don't do it. It looks dumb. I promise. You don't want to do that. Um, I've just seen get, regular wingtips at that point. Yeah, just yeah. go with the wingtips. Don't try to fake it with wingtips or other dress shoes or boots. I've seen people do it with boots um, and buy Gillybrogue laces and run them up the ankle it looks dumb yeah and i i would i would say this as well at some point respectfully i'd say this at some point either bite the bullet or don't you have to kind of it sounds like you've been thinking about it for a while it sounds like you know it's been suffering for years yes either suffering or i don't think he necessarily has gillies because he keeps talking about looking for them Mm -hmm. so at some point either just resign yourself to a decision and stick to it so either that's it I'm just going to buy them, suck it up, and I'm going to, you know, stop going to Starbucks for a month. Or just say, nope, it's too expensive. I refuse to do it. I refuse to spend that money on shoes I'm not going to wear. And then don't wear them. But make a decision and stick to it and be okay with your decision. Don't just be okay with your decision. Be stubborn as hell. It's the Scottish thing to do. Because that's the Scottish thing to do. Right? Yes. Yeah. We're very See, I, th- I thought you were avaluping me there. I was going to say it, and then you... Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. So you want to start scripting our answers? I don't think that'd be a good idea. This isn't scripted? No. But, Eric, I thought it was. <laughs> Gee, Rocky, <laughs> let me ask you a question. Um, This is all scripted. How's yes. it going? <laughs> how's it going over there, Mac? Oh, we're doing good. If, okay. Uh, 
there's a there's a, quite a bit of still have more people con- watching uh, con- uh, discussion going on but uh no yeah, we've got a few more questions that are coming in okay we do have to ask some of the yeah, we really should do, do that. Should you some of the preloaded? Let's do one. Let's do one or two of the preloaded right, ones. Try to we're not ignoring you, in. you people that are live. Um, we have a lot of people who've pre-submitted questions, and we thankfully, due to I all honestly, you guys there, I, I honestly want to do a show at some point where we just play catch up and go through do all rapid the, fire all the bank of questions and no new questions, just to make sure we do these people right. Okay. Okay. So I have two questions to start you with, which are actually kind of related. Uh, Louis Collingwood. <clears throat> was saying, uh, my roots trace back to McKee, to Septim Mackay. Um, he does not pay for a membership to be a part of the Mackay clan society, but he would like to wear the clan badge as a kill pin or cap badge, etc. Um, is it considered bad form to wear clan regalia if you are not paying dues to your clan society? No. It's... Your, the clan crest is basically showing your allegiance, your fealty to the clan chief. Therefore, no, it's for sale at, you know, billion not billions, but a lot of places across the world. Um, you're just basically showing your heritage. It's no more or less than wearing your clan tartan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, was, and I talked to him a little bit online, um, not, not in depth, but uh, basically saying uh, I think he gets points for even asking the question yeah. because most guys don't even think about it. Most guys are just like, that's my clan. I'm going to wear the pin. Yahoo. You know, they, and they don't necessarily think about he's trying to, do trying it to right. support the society. Yeah. Yeah. He's trying to do the honorable thing and, and support the support the society, which makes perfect sense. Um, so, but yeah, the basic answer is no, you represent. And just by representing, you are doing a service to your kinfolk. So that's fine. And that's how most people play it. Um, if it becomes a good thing or a convenient thing, comfortable thing, logical thing for you to join the society at some point in the future, then you can do so. Um, but you don't have to. That dovetails to my second question, uh, which was from Trevor Swoverland. Hope I pronounced that right. And Trevor was basically asking, are clan societies worth joining? What do you get out of joining a clan society? You know, is it worthwhile? What's the point? <clears throat> the, the clan societies in the U.S., um, there's... It's a a thing to basically connect clan members. You can you know join the Stewart Clan Society, Mackay. You know, there's a lot of different clan societies, and what they what you get out of it is effectively like a T-shirt, a newsletter, and a, a membership card. It's not generally a lot to what you get out of the membership. Um, but to paraphrase a, a politician, which I don't do often. Um, Ask not what your clan society can do for you. Ask what you can do for your clan society. Mm. The, the mm. Think about it from the other side. What the, what the clan societies are actually doing is preserving and putting forth you know, the culture, the heritage. They're trying to engage people in conversations. The volunteers, and they're volunteers for clan societies. They are not paid. They go around to different Highland games, and they yep. put up their, you know, fly the colors, fly the banner, they put, you know, Mackay, list all the step, the steps or whatever, and then people come up and they talk to them about their family history. And mm-hmm. they are there kind of as ambassadors, as mentors, as liaisons for this. And, and they're just getting people information and getting them excited about and interested in their own family heritage. And they're answering questions about that family heritage. So your membership dues, whether it's, you know, 40 bucks a year or whatever it is, is going to help defray the costs for, you know, 
paying to go to an event or for whatever those types of things and to support the heritage. So it's you're not getting anything necessarily tangible out of every interaction with a clan society, but you're getting good juju and you're getting karma points and you're helping to preserve the culture which you are a part of and I'm assuming you want to see preserved because if it wasn't for clan societies and things like in Nazca or there's like the different acronyms for different clan society organizations and mother and umbrella organizations if it wasn't for them then a lot of these things would kind of die off and there'd be less interest and you'd have nowhere to go to ask the questions mm -hmm. and if you google Makai clan society or Makai you know uh, uh, clan you're probably going to get to their clan society website who's going to give you a load of history about it yeah and those kind of things wouldn't exist without the membership supporting them yeah and I think the uh, the website the electronics is really a lot of what the dues go Costs. for these days yeah it really is maintaining the website um, if they do a printed newsletter which I guess several still do um, things like that. Um, one of the one of the fringe benefits of getting in touch with your clan society is sometimes there will be uh, clan centric trips back to Scotland. So there's some really cool opportunities you can sometimes get or even start on your own hook to get your brothers and sisters in the clan to go on a trip to go back and visit the family castle, for instance, or just um, meeting people who or yeah, have the same in, interest in your area as you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just meeting new friends. Period. Yeah. It's it's society. The, the word says it all. Basically, it is about being part of that society of people. So, yeah, it's um, it's definitely worth doing. Yeah. Um, it's not, you know, it's it's not tangible like you said. Um, if you're in it for cookies, you're not getting cookies. You know, <laughs> that's an SCA term. It's like people you know say like, did you you did this just to get the award, and it, it, you you did it just to get the cookie. Yeah. Um, that's not what it's about. Yes. Yeah. No, it's about supporting the culture, supporting the heritage, and yeah. preserving it for future generations. Period. But you don't, you don't have to, and you can absolutely use the regalia. Um, don't go with the eagle feather. That's a different discussion. But uh, but you know the, the 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 crest, the the clansman crest is yours to use as well as a tartan. So just enjoy it and be proud and answer questions when people come up to you at events. You know, even if you're not a member of the society, you are a representative of your clan. So, roll end of with this it. heritage, end of this, you know, yeah. and of Tartan and of everything else. We talk about being good ambassadors and good mentors mm -hmm. for people who are coming up to you. Either they know something or they know nothing or yep. they just started wearing kilts or whatever. And it's the onus is on all of us to be good mentors and good ambassadors for yep. this stuff. Absolutely. Indeed. Here so endeth the lesson. Gets me right there. Yeah. Gets me right in the feels. Should we do another one? Sure. Okay. Um, all right. Mario, our man in Canada, uh, was asking, uh, if your Glengarry is too large and has some overhang at the back, is it possible to make it smaller? Yes. A trick that we do here in the shop, um, if we are out of a particular size, we'll call the customer and say, hey, you ordered a 59 or you ordered a 59 Glengarry, and we don't have any 59s. I do have a 60, and then we, in the back of a Glengarry, there is like a V-notch in the back of the hat. And if you actually tack a little bit of the top of that V, the base of the V-notch, about, you know, just tack a quarter inch, or three quarter, or three-eighths of an inch of a tack at the very top, it's just pinching it back towards the back of your head a little bit. Yeah. Takes up a little bit of extra room. It's not noticeable at all. It's black thread on a black hat. And that's an easy way to cheat it and kind of shrink it down a little bit. 
that is a much, much better option, much, much more control than trying to, like, wash it and shrink it. Oh, uh, no. Don't do that. No. Just do the little tack. It'll get much better results. Yeah, pipe band guys do this all the time. Um, and by the way, he's talking centimeters when he's talking about 59 to 60. Maybe that's obvious. I yeah. don't know. But 59 to 60 centimeters. Um, you're not talking about a, a huge variance in sizes. You actually have more control over sizes with centimeters than you do with American hat sizes, I think. Well, these but, are the the way our Glengarry's run is you act there come EU sizes, which is centimeters, and then UK hat size, which is like an eighth of an inch bigger than the US uh, okay. hat size. There's too much confusion and who the heck knows? Like I'm seven and three eighths in my hat and No. Mm. It's just give me your I love the the EU way of doing it, which is take the circumference of your head, that's the size. Ta da Done. It's just that simple. Yep. Um did you have any input on this one, Mac? I was just curious. Yeah, I, my only other advice would be use it. He's like, no, nah, hats. I don't, know. I don't do hats. Um, says the uniform guy. Yeah. Um, I was just going to say, make sure you use a heavy thread. Use like a button and carpet thread. Um, so it's strong. Eh, so. Even if you don't, well. Okay, even fine. If you Never don't, mind. I don't no, know what I'm talking about. We use, I'm going to shut up now. We use regular sewing thread. If you're tacking it, you're going back, forth, back, forth, back, forth. So when okay. you go, when you reverse the, the direction of the thread on the stitch, you're locking it in there. Yeah, a cabling effect. Kind yeah. Of. yeah, so yeah, you're okay. just kind of go back, forth, back, forth, and then it's it won't come undone. Okay. You can use carpet thread if you want to, okay. Eric. All if right. you're hand sewing it, then I would well, do that because you have yeah. to do less stitches. I was assuming it was a hand. I was assuming it was hand sewing. I wouldn't try to put a hat through a sewing machine personally. But. Yeah, who would ever do that? <laughs> our machines do everything. Our machines. They, yeah, we do don't everything all have industrial sewing machines at home. Our machine, our sewing machine tech, Robert, comes in and every single time he comes here, it's hysterical. He's just like, "This isn't supposed to do this. This machine is not designed to do what, what you guys are doing." What the to hell, it. Are you guys doing with this? Pretty things? much. Yeah, he's awesome. I love Robert. He's a cantankerous he's old man. Great. Oh my he's god, awesome. is he? He's super cool. Should I do another one, or should we go back to Max list? Uh, do okay. We'll we'll, we'll uh. Bounce back and forth. Yeah. Alrighty. So, <clears throat> this is more of an undercarriage question. Oh dear. Um, so Daniel is asking: Is there anything other than talcum powder you suggest to, to reduce coat the undercarriage? Yes. <laughs> uh, Rusty Jones. <laughs> Chevy makes this tar spray. <laughs> um, uh, Body glide is one. It's something that runners use. Yeah. Um, is a good thing to coat the undercarriage, as it were. Um, there's talcum powder, there's gold bond, not the blue menthol one. <laughs> Trust me on that. <laughs> like Mac just spit his drink. The, uh, yes, nothing with menthol, nothing with heat activation. Yes. Oh, Lord. So, uh, yes, anything that's going to provide a little bit less friction. So talcum powder, the issue with talc is that it will rub off during the day. Yeah. So if you're going out this for a festival for a full day kind of thing, um, I would say wear Body Glide, which is it's a like it comes in like a, a deodorant stick kind of roll-on thing. Yeah. Um, it's not roll-on; it's, it's a stick. Stick, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's there's there's other versions of it now, um, as I like, can get it at running stores kind of yeah. thing. Um, that's designed for anywhere where there's rubbing and chafing. Um, option two: wear underwear. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, worst case scenario, pair of bike shorts, something like that, you know, can can work wonders. Yeah. But uh, I definitely prefer the body glide. I've never I've never tried the talcum powder thing. And I do sometimes I have chasing, chasing in the summer, so yeah, yeah, I just don't like dealing with it. But um, it does make a mess. It can. Yeah. yeah but white, the uh, <laughs> white legs, yeah. white kilt hose, white kilt, and uh, walking through a cloud. Yeah. 
So if you just have like you have like a, a like a, a foot pump, and Tyke Empire just sprays up, you could you know, just like have all the guys in the pipe band just line mm. up and you just step over the thing. Poof, poof, poof. You know, you you get know, the like, uh, no, the, like the, uh, <laughs> the the air compressed air. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> just hold Talc there. Psst, psst. Yeah. There you go. Um, body glide. Just go get a stick of body glide. Yes. Yeah. Nothing mental. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. My turn. All right. Mark Blind Dog is a YouTuber, and he was wondering, can you wear rugby socks with a kilt? Just because you can do something does not mean you should. Mm -hmm. um, there are some people will wear rugby socks with a kilt, basically because they are thin. They go up past the knee, and you can fold them back or to the knee, and you can fold them back down. Um, that being said, they're not the right tool for the job. Can I, you know, can I can I hammer something with a screwdriver? Sure, but it's it it would work if you beat it hard enough. But it's not the right tool for the job. Um, Ultimately, I would say this: the most people wear or inquire about rugby socks when they're talking about, you know, can I wear rugby socks with a kilt? Because they're just trying to save a couple bucks. In so far as you want to save money in your outfit, there are better places to save money. We're talking about a difference, you know, it's it's fifty percent more or whatever it is, so it's a good bit more. But we're talking, you know, nine dollars or eight dollars to fifteen dollars for a pair of economy kilt hose that are going to be right and fit the bill versus something that's, you know, it's not a huge sum of money more. Mm -hmm. So in my estimation, what I would say is if it's really a concern, I would forego the fancier kilt belt buckle or forego the kilt pin and put that money towards a pair of better socks or whatever. It's ultimately you're going to, it's about the overall look of the outfit and you're going to get a better look with the right thing. And the right thing is a pair of kilt hose, which fold down properly, have a little bit of a pattern at the top, and look right yeah. for, I keep doing the finger quotes thing, I'm sorry guys. Um, that just looks right for the outfit. Mm -hmm. I agree. I, it, it, you're, you're, it's, it's just cutting a corner that doesn't have to be cut. Um, I, I've, I've thought in the past, like if you're a serial kilter, our favorite term, um, and you're playing on wearing kilt hose every day of the week, then I can see where you might be concerned about spending money on a bunch of socks like that all at once. But that's not how you buy this stuff. You basically you add on to your wardrobe slowly over time. You don't have to wear kilt hose every day of the week. You know, you can change it up with socks that you just reach down to the top of your shoes or the top of your boots. Um, get the right hose. Spend the extra bucks. They're, you're going to be happier in the long run. Um, don't lowball it and don't, you know, just, it sounds harsh, but don't be lazy about it. I mean, some guys, I think, ask because I, I've got these. Can I wear them? I already got them. No, it's. I don't think but. it's lazy. I think it's more along the lines of the, the cost thing because okay. it's. Okay. And, and I think Do you think it's the heat the head. thing? <clears throat> no, because you can get cotton socks. You can get other things. Okay. Um, I okay. really think it's the cost thing, and I understand the well. I can get four pair as opposed to two, but it's. It, really what it boils down to as well is what do you want your outfit to look like? Do you want to okay. have four pair of hose that look, or hose, you know, rugby socks that look meh or two pair that look correct and good and spot on? Yeah. I'd rather have a few less pairs of hose and have them look right than have a hundred pair of hose that all look meh. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, can't say I disagree. 
We're cracking these guys up back here. At least someone's laughed at our jokes. Yeah, somebody is. Yeah. Okay, there's a plant. All right, so there you go. There's more than one price point for kill hose. Get some kill hose. Yeah. It's that easy. Yeah, if you want it and you want to represent your heritage well and you want to save up and do the right thing for it, don't just do it half-assed and end up not liking what it looks like. Do it right from the get. I'm, even heritage aside, I'd say that kilt hose will look better with a utilikilt than rugby socks would. Yeah, and you well, know? I'd, I'd even just, go further. They just and plain look more flattering on a male leg than rugby socks, which are a technical thing. And I'd, I'd not... even go further and say, I'd rather see, um, I'd rather see somebody just wear a pair of you know cotton crew socks with a pair of sneakers and a kilt than yeah, wear like, rugby socks yeah. and have it yeah. look. It, it looks more correct. Yeah. Even with cotton crew socks in a casual setting, yeah. than than rugby socks would. Yeah, yeah. treat yourself. Enjoy. You deserve it. Damn straight, Mac. <laughs> <clears throat> so we got another hat question here. Cool. <clears throat> Excuse me. So we have Lewis uh, asking: Would a bowler hat look good in a dressed? Would a bowler hat look good dressed well with a killed outfit? I've done it, but only in a steampunky for fun kind of context. If you're being traditional, don't do it um, for a number of different reasons. Um, if you're, if it's like a con, you know, convention or a steampunk event or concert or something like that, you're just out there having the fun, um, not taking yourself seriously. Then I don't mind it. Um, I, my general rule of thumb is that the shorter the brim on the hat, the more likely this is going to look okay with a kilt. Um, but from a traditional standpoint, absolutely not. Um, it, it's not the right hat, traditionally speaking. It's also very much an English thing, and I don't think if you're trying to represent Scottish or Irish heritage, you want to wear an English hat. Um, yeah, that'd be my word, is basically, as a lark, sure. Um, as traditional dress wear, no. Halloween was yesterday, and unless you are... Every day is Halloween. Long li eyelashes and the the eyeball cane and the big codpiece, a la Alex from Clockwork Orange. Mm. No. Yeah. Negative Ghost Rider. The pattern is full. Now he's he's more he's more conservative with his dress than I am, obviously. Um, but but yeah, it's just it's just not. It doesn't look like you're taking the heritage side of things seriously. Um, so for let gauge it that way. The more serious <clears throat> the event is, the more formal the event is, the less likely it's going to be a good idea. And I'd say this, it's also probably because he's an American doing the American thing of trying to mix different parts of the, just the having fun. things together and having fun with it. Not yeah. kind of knowing exactly what is and isn't, mm -hmm. you know, parable. Yeah. But so, yeah, we often say that basically the more casually you go, the more the rules go away and you just have fun with it. So that's why I said I've done I've done a bowler um, for steampunk and I've done I do a Greek sailor hat. Let me say that again. Greek. Pronounced right. Greek sailor hat as a, as a kind of an alternative to a flat cap with a kilt for casual day wear, just walking around and stuff. And I think that looks pretty sharp. So, yeah. Adorable, even. No, you're biased. But thanks. All right. <laughs> All right. It's almost five o'clock. <coughs> we started Maybe about we should go, ten, five yeah, minutes Yeah, we should late. go overtime. Yes, we definitely more. should. Um, Maybe a little more. Okay. Uh, let's see. Look at my scotch. Uh, very basic baseline question. Corey P. was asking us, how do you pee in a kilt? 
How do you pee in a kilt? How do you relieve yourself in a kilt? Grab the bottom, lift, and go. There's not a lot to peeing in a kilt. It's it's a lot easier out in nature than, you know, pants and flies. The, uh, uh, do, you remember like the, kilts. do you remember the commercial? It was a Levi's button fly commercial a few years ago. Two snowboarders going down the mountain, and they get to outhouses and both jump in. And the guy with the fly has a zipper stuck, and the guy with the button fly is like, ha, ah, and he jumps out. And the other guy's like, no. Like, it'd be no, even easier in a kilt. You just okay. go. Done. Okay. There, or is it, it depends just... how close you are to the target. That's true. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Now I will say this: maybe some guys would be, feel awkward if they're not used to it because you can't see what you're doing. Like if you got the spore in there and everything, you're kind of like peeing blind. You know? Yeah. Oh, well, it's but... you can you know if you lift the, the hem up, you can kind of like tuck it under your chin if you need to, or hold one and yeah. you know, hold with yeah. the other. Yeah. Um, you might need to keep a grip on the fire hose. Fair. If possible. But we're garden hose yeah. for some guys. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, we're all Scottish here, so Fair. Yeah. But uh no, it's yeah, it's really no big deal. Yeah. It's don't overthink it. Trust your instincts. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be fine. Let nature you take know? its course. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. So yeah. This I think I think it's funny that it's the little things that people get intimidated about when they're just starting getting started on wearing a kilt um to that i had another question what was um yeah johnny black uh, right here he was asking he no one on the show usually asks this question because you guys are kind of already into this but johnny black black johnny black was asking us what is the pouch thing in front of the kilt called and what is it for the pouch worn on the uh, front of the kilt is called a sporn it is basically a you don't have pockets in your kilt, so the sporn is where you carry all your stuff. Your yep. keys, your wallet, your smokes, whatever you got with you. Yep. Originally, it was the way the yeah. Highlanders would actually, you know, carry their food, carry whatever they needed to. Oats. Oats, yep. Um, and it would be, you know, you basically go. worn. That's for you. Oh, thanks, sweetie. Um, it would be worn on the side, on the belt, and more of a belt pouch. And as it kind of evolved, it just became a pouch that you would wear in front on a sporn chain or on a strap, um, and it would just hang in the front, you know, basically over your manhood, help keep your modesty a little bit and you sit down and give you easy access to whatever you need to have access to. Yeah, that's basically all it is. Now, there was a there's a time when uh, a lot of pipe bands would have uh, fake sporns or uh, quasi-functional sporns where it's purely decorative on the front and there might be like a tiny pocket for a, like a credit for card. A credit card. Um, or it was just like literally a piece of cardboard covered with some suede and that's it and then you have the fur or the hair on the front to make it look like a true hair uh, horsehair sporn because it's part of the uniform <clears throat> and I think a lot of people got the impression um, when I was a kid I thought this actually that the sporn was just some kind of a, a formal decoration and I didn't even realize I didn't even think that it was some kind of a cargo device I just thought it was like oh well, it's just something you wear in front because it's part of the uniform right you know but it actually is functional functional yeah. truly functional um, I think we're in a better place nowadays with the variety of sporns available than at any time in history, actually. You know, it's, I think your options were yeah. a lot more limited um, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 100 years ago, you know? Yeah, well, 10 or 20 years ago, we still had all the options, but, you know, 50 years to 100 years ago, yeah, there was probably less. Certainly not the decorative options. I mean, like, semi-dress didn't exist. Semi-dress sporns didn't exist. Correct. But... Um, 
the but then there's some that have gone away like the prince charlie spawn which is a okay. full fur spawn with a, like d you know like a day spawn shape yeah um all fur with a metal plate on the flap and the flap even had fur and all that kind of stuff so there's some things back. that have gone away but yeah they will come back in the same way that you know other victorian stuff is kind of coming back with the goat hair and stuff like that right you have the the downton abbey effect where everyone everything old is new again and tweeds mm -hmm. are cool again and all that kind of stuff mm -hmm. And at the opposite end of the spectrum, you have the tactical sporns, which are which are basically you know like a you know a nylon fanny pack turned into a sporn. So that's more of an American thing. It's though. nobody totally an American thing, but it's an awesome thing if you're hiking. It's it's it can be a very handy thing if you're out in the bush. Trust me. But uh, but would I wear it any other place? No. But... For me, it's it's more the form follows well. It, form follows function, and I would leave if I was hiking in a kilt and I had a backpack and like. I would wear belt pouches and that kind of stuff before I would wear a sporn because I would want an ease of movement of my legs. I'd want all the weight on my hips versus trying to you know, have yeah. a bag in the crotch. Yeah. If I have to jump jump from rock to rock and I you know tap myself and end yeah. up on my knees, it's not going to be a good day. The uh... I'm imagining the echo through the glass. <laughs> 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 a lot higher pitch on that. Yeah. <laughs> but not... I hope that answers the question. Yeah, about, hopefully. Yeah, what a sporn is. Yep. By two, they're small. <laughs> Mr. Mac. Well, the the comments are <coughs> saying sporns are actually the candy and business card holders. So yes, there is that. There Absolutely. Is that. Yep. So uh, Derek is asking uh, belt with a semi-dress sporn and vest. Is that good? Bad? Ugly? Belt hey. with a semi-dress sporn. Now this is not this is not a semi-dress. This is a day, but um, I don't have a problem with it. If you're if you're going casual like this. This is not a great shirt that I'm wearing today, but um, this is basically casual, kind of smart. Um, you don't wear a belt typically with a vest if you're keeping it closed. So if I were wearing a tie today and keeping this vest, this waistcoat, closed to look more formal, a little more presented, um, I would dispense with the belt. But I have no problem with a semi-dress um, with an yeah. outfit like this. Yeah, the whether you wear a belt or not is... The, the the rules, the guidelines, the conventions, if you will, okay. um, is really more dependent on the type of sporn and the vest or no vest that you have. So if you're wearing a dress sporn with a belt, the problem is the top of the sporn has that little ball on it and it sits right underneath the buckle. So when you sit down, it ends up knocking into the buckle and either you know breaking off the ball or scratching the buckle or scratching the sporn. Make noise. Yep. Clickety-clang. Clickety-clang. Mm -hmm. um, for the waistcoat, if you're wearing a waistcoat closed or a vest closed, um, vest and waistcoat are the same thing, just for those who don't know. Mostly. Um, effectively. Modernly and Americanly. Anyway, go ahead. The, <laughs> the um, close enough for government work. Yeah, go, Put it that way. go, go, go ahead. Yes. I'm sorry I derailed you. I'm sorry. No. Go now, for it. Now I'm all done. That's it. Show's over. No. <laughs> the, um, no, they're, they're, uh, when you're wearing a waistcoat or a vest or a waistcoat, if you want to pronounce it that way, or whatever permutation of the upper garment, quite, um, you're, it covers up 90% of the buckle. So you can't see the design anyway. So the point is, just leave it off. It, it's not needed to hold the kilt up. Right. Now, if you're wearing a casual like Eric likes to do and you keep the vest open, then, yeah, the buckle kind of completes it and makes it look nice. Yeah. Um, I'm wearing a vest today with no belt on because the vest or excuse me i'm wearing a sweater today with no belt on because the sweater jumper 
or Cardigan. That's different. Uh, yes. Would be different. Named after named after Lord Cardigan, who was a jerk. But anyway, how dare you speak about Lord Cardigan that way? I totally do. I don't know who you. I, my God, man. <laughs> the uh, anyway, the greatest bastards of the Crimean War. You don't know this? You yeah. didn't learn this in elementary school like I did. Anyway, go you ahead. The Crimean War in elementary school? No, I'm joking. I'm learning numbers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did too. The 500 <coughs> into the Valley of Death rode the 500. 600? I forget. See, it was elementary school. I can't remember. We have gone well off track now. Yeah, but it's after Multiple five, times. so it's okay. Yes. So basically, yeah, it's again, like you were saying a moment ago, the more casual the outfit is, the more you don't have to really worry about the rules too much. Um, so vest open for a casual kind of rakish, you know, going out to the pub kind of look. Sure. Go for it. Indeed. Yeah. See, I can be casual. I can use the slangs. Now, would you wear a belt with no shirt? Yes. Yeah. That, yes. that is convention. If you're shirtless. Yes. If you're shirtless, I would. Belt, yeah. Belt is mandatory. Because, you know, then it just increases the manliness and also it helps suck in your damn gut. So you can get that, Doesn't hopefully go, get that, that Putin-esque torso thing going. <laughs> when I go horseback riding, topless in my kilts. Yes. I do that all the time. Yeah. Now, do you go side saddle? Would you go side saddle and kill? No. 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 I think that'd okay. be worser. Probably. Definitely worser wrist. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we could. We should do a whole show about Hollywood misconceptions. We should do a whole show where really we make good. up words in every answer and okay. see if people catch it. Okay. Okay. Gridular. Speaking of making things up and not making them up, um, wanted to give you guys a reminder that, and other people have noted this too, that at some point we need to do the tartan challenge. Uh, yes. So I think maybe in the next few weeks we should try to catch some time to film you guys, uh, see if uh, Mac and Rocky can go head to head and. I, I think we should bring Lucas in on this too. Oh, you want no, to? No, Lucas is going to fail miserably on this. Exactly. Know, That's like... the whole point. <laughs> yeah, Mac wants a ringer. <laughs> Mac scared. He scared me. I smell fear on you, boy. <laughs> the the uh, oh, it's a quote from Bob's Burgers, by the way. Okay. The um, uh. Yeah, uh, the, I kind of threw down the gauntlet for Mac about, what, two months ago now? When we first showed yeah. in the new studio where all of our, our beautiful tartan books behind us, uh, we want to have a challenge between me and Mac. Timed challenge. Um, penalties for wrong ones in the form of, like, extra time added on or something. Hmm. You know, clock running, blah, blah, blah. See who's got, who knew, who has them, you know, down cold. Mm -hmm. I think you lose time. Like yeah. if you get one wrong, then whoop, then the timer jumps another. No, no, no. We're we're gonna time how long it takes to do them. Okay. And then if you get one wrong, like four seconds or three seconds gets added to your I time, see. and whoever to, has the low, it's like golf. As it were. Whoever see. has the lower time wins. Got it. Okay. Yes. Okay. Cool. And for this, Mac is going to be blindfolded. <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna go and braille the tartans. <laughs> <laughs> this oh, feels this like. Feels uh, like <coughs> his, his, his fingers are so sensitive from years of kilt making, you can tell the thread count just by feeling the cloth. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's very zen. Like shooting that arrow. Max back the there studying them right now. He's like, oh, okay. He's like, now, yep, the, look at that one. Now we're back to uh, hashtag Sheriff Eric, so. Uh, okay. I want to do hashtag Tartan Challenge. Hashtag Sheriff Eric. Yeah. I have a hashtag now. I'm a hashtag. <laughs> yeah, boy. I'm a hashtag. Interesting. Okay. I've never been a hashtag before. That's awesome. Congrats. You have bested Thank you. me, sir. You have, Thank you. You have become you. a hashtag before me. Yes. Yeah. Hashtag Rocky Sad. <laughs> Rocky Pout. <laughs>
Um, should we keep going? Yeah, we'll do one or two more. Mac, okay. still got the ducky out. So, Mr. Mac. Hmm. Still got the ducky out. Nobody For those who, who have no idea. has no idea what you just said. Yeah. <laughs> Here, here's the inside, inside joke. Mac, hold it up. Coraline, bring you guys on. We have the, when there are questions from the audience, we have our little rubber ducky that lets me know that Mac has signal. questions. Yeah. So, yes, we have a rubber ducky in the studio. Don't know where it came from. Rubber ducky. Is he the one? Yep. He makes kilt time. He lots makes of fun. time lots of fun, Mac. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Okay, Mac. So, uh, Philip, uh, we had to talk about ghillies. Um, he's asking, how often do we wear them? Is it mostly formal occasions that we wear them? He hasn't worn a tux since 2000. And <laughs> is it something so much you really invest in? <clears throat> I don't know. Ghillies? going to be the same or different on this one. You go first. It's, it depends on how often you wear your kilt and how much money you have in the bank and how well you want to be put together in the outfit or how casual you wear it. There's a lot of yeah. different factors. So if you do, not even formal, but if you do a few dressy type functions, and by dressy I mean like go out to a nice dinner with the wife, go to church, whatever, and you're doing that in your kilt, then I'd say, yeah, it's probably worth investing in a pair of ghillies. If you wear your kilt five times a month, that were more then yes i'd say it's probably worth investing in it in paragillies mm -hmm. if you're wearing it twice a year to festivals in the summer and that's it no save the money and throw it into a sporin or throw it into beer at festivals or whatever um get a different part of your kit with that money because you're not going to get the usage out of it yeah um brown gillies are my biggest hmm for customers if i was a customer yeah <clears throat> Would I get a pair of brown ghillies? How often would I wear them? And if you wear a lot of brown leather stuff or you wear smart day wear tweeds a lot, then in my estimation, a brown pair of ghillies is good to do. Yeah. If not, sharp. Then, then no. Yeah. Um, to be perfectly honest, I wear them less now than I used to. Um, I've always had a rule of thumb um, that uh, you know I try to wear a tie once a week. And I try to, uh, when I was doing more work with the sales team, I would make sure I was in ghillies and a tie and smart day wear uh, every Saturday. Um, during the middle of the week, one might be a little more casual, but always put on you know best best gear uh, for a Saturday, I and mean, that's basically to be professional and presenting well. Um, in my own time, I'll only bring them out for very special occasions, you know, like a holiday party, burn supper, St. Andrews, um, uh, occasional birthday dinner out. But honestly, a lot of time, if I'm going out on a date night with my wife we're going to like an ethnic restaurant of some kind and i want to look nice but it doesn't feel gilly worthy for me if that makes sense yeah um i like how you specified date night with my wife but there was that minor problem i have there. date nights with other people oh, that's fair but the uh anyway so <laughs> yeah I, and again I've, I've been ever since i've started learning more about this stuff i'm fascinated by the evolution of the fashion and uh since my heart is mostly in the 19th century I don't feel as wedded to wearing ghillie brogues personally um, because everything I talk about with, you know, how ghillies are more of a modern invention. So, yeah, I would say I use them now for special occasions, not once a month even anymore. I think it's definitely worth having. Um, I, would, <clears throat> I would feel odd being in a Prince Charlie without them because I do consider them to be that little extra icing on the cake when you're doing a formal outfit. You know, they just have that little extra interest, you know, and that sense of romance. So... And motion too. I mean, even just seeing the lace, the tassels move when you walk, 
it's that extra interest when you are there being a presence in the room. It just feels completed. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Now, one thing I'll point out as a kind of random tangent with Gilly Brogues, if you're wearing Gillies with the Prince Charlie or with, you know, whatever you're wearing it with, I tend to like them with slightly lighter color hose. So you show off the laces. If you're wearing ghillies with yeah. black kilt hose, you can't really see the laces real well. Yeah. So you end up just looking like you're wearing a pair of weirdo wingtips. Yeah, I've always preferred uh, <clears throat> charcoal hose over black in general. For that reason, For yeah. that little bit, slight different bit of contrast. Agreed. Yeah. So, hopefully Wait. that helps. Yeah. Yes. All right, one more. Okay. From Mac or me? <clears throat> you. Uh, let's see. I'm going to give you a cultural one. You can be philosophical here. Um, Charles Driggers, who is a YouTube guy, watches this on YouTube, saying, um, I seem to be seeing a lot of negative connotations from the Scottish towards people from the United States. It seems they think we are stupid or fat or lazy, etc. Is there truth in any of this? And if so, why? Any information you can give me will be greatly appreciated. Um, perceptions of Americans by Scottish people. Good, bad, and different. The, there are, it depends, like, just like anything, it depends on who you run into and who you've interacted with. If you're, you know, what the Scottish people are, are fed via news and whatever and via media consumption of Americans is, you know, Housewives of New Jersey um, or, you know, movies coming out of Hollywood and that kind of stuff um, or news events of, you know, things that are happening in the U.S., they're going to get a lot more uh, global news than we do here in the U.S. Most of our news stuff is mostly U.S.-based. There's not a lot of international on our news stations. Um, but it really boils down to what they've seen and how many Americans they've met. If you go over to Scotland and you're a loud, obnoxious, fat jerk, and you're the only person from America that they've met, they're going to have a pretty bad, you know, taste about Americans in their mouth. Um this kind of, you know, underscores my point of being a good ambassador. Every time we've gone over, my wife and I, to the UK, we've been, you know, going out of our way to be, uh, I don't want to say nicer, but, you know, to interact with people. And when people hear an American accent, they kind of, there's a curiosity there. They want to talk to you. It's out of the norm. It's not something that they hear every single day. In the same way with, if you were, you know, at your local Wawa or grocery store or whatever, and you heard a Scottish accent, you'd be, you know, your ears would perk up. You'd want to, you know, interact with that person. So when that happens and you're in their country, you're a guest in their house, as it were. Yes. So you want to make sure that you're not, you're representing your country well, you're representing, you know, kiltware well, you're representing yourself well to them. You're a good ambassador for everything that you stand for. So, yeah, basically just... Don't be a jerk. It's it's number one rule in our Facebook yeah. group, number one rule in life. Don't be a jerk. Recognize the fact that you're an ambassador and take a little bit of extra time to make sure they know that you're a nice guy, nice girl, whatever. The when we were in Ireland, it was the uh, it was I forget what the election cycle was. It was, you know, 2012, I believe, or no, 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 it was 2008. We were over in Ireland. And they were extremely interested to hear about Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton, all this kind of stuff back then from an American. And we would get stopped in grocery stores or whatever in Ireland, and they would want to know all about our feelings on things and how we thought things were going or whatever. And I'm not talking politics, but they just wanted to, they were very curious about Americans and about America 
from an average Joe American in, that, insider that perspective. I am. Yeah, an insider perspective. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Um, so it's, I am an ambassador in that moment. And if I say to them, look, I don't got time to talk to you right now. I'm trying to catch a train. I'm a jerk. So I, you're, you're an ambassador. You have to sit there and you have to kind of talk to them and engage with them mm-hmm. in this and show them respect in the same way that you would want it shown to you if you were in a store and somebody was in front of you online and was talking with a Scottish accent and you're like, hey, my grandpa's from Scotland. Where are you from? And they said, uh, Dundee, I gotta go and left. You'd be like, wow, that guy's a jerk. Mm-hmm. So it's extrapolate that out a hundred times. And if every single person you meet is a jerk, then they're going to form that opinion of Americans. If every single person they meet doesn't fit the housewives of New Jersey, you know, ness, whatever it is with them. um, (laughs) I'm sorry to all you housewives in New Jersey. I think you mean Jersey Shore. I think that's the both. Really? Okay, whatever. I've never seen housewives. I didn't even. I don't watch TV. Whatever. No, my wife's seen it. Okay. I'm. I'm not. I'm not going out on a big limb here, Eric. (laughs) The uh, anyway, it's ultimately. You're an ambassador. Act like it. Yeah. Is effectively the harsh way to say it. I'll say, um, number one, I don't care if you're fat. No body shaming. Okay? Uh, number two, we get fed cliches about Scotland as well as other countries as well. Um, like the, uh, the, the the meme videos that are going around about the crazy Scotsman. It's the kid. Uh, with He puts on the... Uh, uh, the, the see, Jim, a, see a Jimmy hat. Sort the, of see a Jimmy hat, and, and he's in the store, <clears throat> and he starts going crazy. About, right! I'm going to get the Iron, Iron Brew! Yeah. That... A lot of Scots, to their credit, are able to laugh at that, but frankly, that's a that's a that's a crass stereotype. Okay, is he? I know he's from he's the UK. from London, mate. Is he? Okay. Oh, he's totally London. Yeah, he's totally. If you, if I didn't you listen, know if he was Scottish. If you listen to English. the voice of his friend, he's got he's got like an East Ender accent going on. He's definitely definitely uh, English. Um, and I was gonna say the English, um, you flip it on its head. And this isn't doesn't apply to Scotland and Ireland as much as England. A lot of time, they really admire the fact that we Americans tend to be able to be more relaxed and let our hair down, because they still, to this day, have to deal with the whole stiff upper lip thing, and there's still very much a class consciousness issue, which pisses a lot of them off if they're in a lower to middle class bracket. You know, the whole, you know, you know, you know, heck with the royals thing. We've removed the stick. Yeah, Um, and and they actually kind of, a lot of the people I've met, at least, they kind of envy that, and, and, and... Breathe, breathe a sigh of relief in some ways. Um, there are ugly Americans, but there are also ugly Scotsmen. There are ugly people everywhere. So yeah, you need to you need to have some decorum. I am convinced, and this is probably the most conservative I'll ever fa- sound. I think that there should be freaking manners and decorum classes in high school. I think kids should be taught elocution and proper manners in this day and age. I think we should be taught proper English first, and then move from there. You, you, you're preaching the choir here. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Now, now language language evolves, but as a as an English major and a writer, yes. But um, yeah, so it's basically you can't you can't change a stereotype overnight. You have to fight it individually, you know, just like Rocky was saying. You know, it's a one-to-one thing, one friend at a time. Right? Agreed. Right on. All right. Thank you, boys and girls. Thanks for listening to us preach. For listening to us <laughs> preach. And for your shaggy dog, lengthy discussion, attention, such that it is. Yeah. Um, anyway, check us out on Facebook. Check us out on YouTube. We're just playing around with doing stuff on Twitch. We're doing yep. stuff on TikTok. We are all over the place. We are taking over the world. So, 
catch us pretty much anywhere you can catch media, period. So, with that being said, till next time, Langevin, boys and girls. Thanks for joining us, guys. Our podcast theme song is Gold and Guns by the Kilmaine Saints. If you have a question for us, you can ask it during our YouTube live stream the first Friday of every month at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. If you want to get social with other kilt enthusiasts, go check out the Kilts and Culture group over on Facebook. You can also find USA Kilts on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, or over at our website, usakilts.com. Thanks again for joining us, and until next time, Slanjava.